0: Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for your Hong Kong Cavaliers. Bam, 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 bam. Buckaroo Bonzai, Reno, Perfect Tommy, He's perfect. Rawhide. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary. 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode?
1: Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, the podcast which is a celebration of weird movies. I'm Billy Martell and with me as always is... Hong Kong, Brad Hefner. <laughs> Hong Kong, Brad Hefner. And I'm Maynard Billy Martell, I guess. <laughs> uh, and today we're going to talk about, not the most obscure movie that we've talked about. No, this is a
0: pretty big cult following. It's pretty big cult film. This is one of the cult film. big cult 80s films. Not as big as yeah. something like, what I feel is its sister film. Mm-hmm. Partially because they share a writer, Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Oh, really? There's they share a writer. W.D.
0: Richter, who directed oh. and... I think co-wrote this. He, he has. He had something to do
1: with the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Co-wrote "Big Trouble in Little China." Oh, I didn't. I only looked at the other movies he directed. I didn't look at the other movies he'd written. Gotcha. That's fantastic. That, I would definitely consider this a sister film to "Big Trouble in Little China," and I should probably say the title at some point. the t- The title of the movie that we're talking about today is "The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension." which I think is the longest title since Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. Yes. Yeah. Working our way through all of the 80s nerd films. We we did Tron a couple weeks ago. Now we're doing Buckaroo Banzai. We'll get through them all eventually. Yeah.
0: Actually, I don't think... I was just double-checking. W.D. Richter co-wrote Big Trouble, Okay, but I don't think... The main writer for this was Mac Roush, I believe. Yes. uh, Who originated the character of Buckaroo Banzai. Absolutely. uh, But W.D. Richter, there's an overlap.
1: There is an overlap, yes, but uh, W.D. Richter still had a hand in Big Trouble in Little China, and Big Trouble in Little China I would definitely... That's a
0: blind spot of yours.
1: It is a blind spot of mine, but I would definitely, at least from looking at the posters, (laughs) the posters feel very, (laughs) very much in the same vein. But yeah, so this is a a movie uh, talking about the brief rundown of the plot, spoiler-free. Buckaroo Banzai is an international adventurer. Uh, he's Musician. A, yes.
0: Scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, jet car man.
1: Jet car man. Which overlaps two with
0: scientists. Two
1: different kinds of scientists. He's a brain surgeon and a particle physicist. Yes. Yes. And uh, he is... Basically, Reed richards Richardsing his way through life, you know, expanding the bounds of, of our consciousness while also playing rock shows and being Peter Cullen. I mean, could the guy get any cooler? While he's doing this, he comes across a terrifying discovery that will not only change the way we look at the world in which we live, but will also bring new enemies to bear for the Earth to face. And uh, he has to face them all with his gang, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, yes. that you heard about in the opening. Uh, so, before we get into the spoilers, as always, we'll give you our recommendations. Brad, what did you think of, of uh, Brucker Banzai? Would you recommend it? Why or why not?
0: Now, I watched this movie ages ago. Yes, we when both was, we both was,
1: watched this a long time ago. When I was first getting into
0: the, the hunt for Weird. Right. Now, right. as I said, there's a big cult following for this film. Mm-hmm. I was very excited for it. And back then... I didn't enjoy it. Right. And today, still not a big fan. Yeah. This came out in 1984. Okay. Same year as Repo Man. Interesting. And what you described in the plot synopsis Mm -hmm. sounds so fun. Yes. And every ingredient of this movie should be fun. Yes. Hold on, let me finish these minutes. No good. It's picking up on the mic. (laughs) Is this what ASMR is? (laughs) Like a dude who's a rock star and Mm -hmm. a brain surgeon Mm -hmm. and a scientist. Yes. And he's world renowned. He has comic books and video games and all this. Yes. And he's fighting against uh, crazy aliens that are all named John. And they all have all this organic chips and materials and stuff. And the cast is insane. You get... Oh, my God. This cast is absolutely stacked. Peter Weller. Yes. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. John Lithgow. Be still my beating heart. Clancy Brown. Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad appears in a single scene. Yes, and you, um, I got so excited. I did too. <laughs> for whatever reason, mm-hmm. this movie lands with a thud for me. Mm-hmm. I want to enjoy it so bad. Yeah. But it just... And we'll just... Like, I asked you yesterday, like, hey, help me figure out why I don't like this movie. <laughs> right, and in, yeah. In, in finally finishing it, Mm-hmm. I I think I've circled some areas that are problems, so I have a feeling this episode is going to be more of an autopsy, yeah, than uh, like a wake. Sure, for the bloated corpse of Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> <laughs> I I would call this
1: episode an autopsy for sure. I unfortunately agree with you for for almost everything that you said. Like I I again. I, just like you watched this ages ago uh, at the recommendation of my aunt, uh, hmm. who the same aunt who uh, first. Was
0: your aunt just John Lithgow in a wig? <laughs> Billy! <laughs> you gotta watch Buckaroo Bonza! <laughs>
1: uh no but uh, she she did she introduced me to doctor who so i was like oh hey and yeah this does have doctor who vibes absolutely and she and i sort of like that's our big connection between this is my aunt beth if you're listening hi aunt Beth. beth uh she and she and i have this sort of connection when it comes to nerd stuff i was like great can't wait to check out what this is and i watched it and i did not get it i just i just didn't get i don't think it's a problem of not getting it like i, I think it's just it does well that that's that's the kind of things i i i rewatched it for the show like i keep hearing this movie has accolades people love this oh movie. yeah huge cult following huge cult following people absolutely love this movie not just my aunt and uh i really wanted to like it i wanted to get into it it's the same reason why i've same reason why i've tried to watch stargate sg1 like five times even though i can't get past the third episode because there's a huge cult following for that show and i yeah. want to be in on on what everyone's get enjoying so i re it for the show bringing it onto the show is my way of like hey let's try and figure this yeah. out now that i'm older and i finally understand the the brilliance of black dynamite maybe i'll <laughs> understand this and i i i watched it and uh on the one hand i think i get the movie now i think yeah. i get what it's doing Uh, in a way that I didn't back in the day, didn't make me enjoy it any better. No. Uh, In fact, it almost made me enjoy it less in a couple of instances, because unfortunately, once I got what the movie was trying to do, Mm. I then realized what the problem with the movie was. Gotcha. Uh, And we will be getting into that as we go along the movie is so unique and it is, it is. Such a, it is absolutely a strange, unique. uh, unique flower that I almost do recommend it to people. It's if you just to check it out, if yeah, you like sure. nerd shit, like this is, this is some primo nerd shit.
0: This is a sci-fi romp for the ages. Yeah. And like we said, huge cult following, maybe you'll be one that it works for. Yeah, But just like, mm-hmm. if a man were to break in here right now, yes, and put a gun to my head. Right. And, Strap me up to a lie detector. (laughs) A shock shock tower. A shock tower. Yeah. And say, you better honestly say whether you would recommend Buckaroo Banzai (laughs) across the eighth dimension. Yeah. Or you will die. Right. Because I will shoot you. (laughs) I think I would say no. I think there's better ways to spend an hour and 47 minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, on, on the list of movies that I would recommend, this is definitely on the lower tier. Yeah. But if your only question to me is, should I watch Buckaroo Banzai or
0: not? I would say, try it. I would say, once we defeat death, (laughs) and every man, woman, child, and they, Mm -hmm. every person person. has an infinite amount of time. Mm -hmm. I'm being too harsh on Buckaroo Banzai. (laughs) It's it's not that bad. It's certainly worth uh, checking out if you're curious. Yes, And just to see John Lithgow's Fucking amazing performance.
1: Uh, For those who are familiar with John Lithgow's work, you know that he can be very theatrical at times. Uh, Just so you know, have some sort of context for John Lithgow's performance before we get into the spoiler section. John Lithgow, in interviews, has said that he doesn't think he's ever gone over the top. (laughs) Except... In Buckaroo Banzai. He was
0: close in <laughs> Twilight Zone, the movie. He was. He
1: said, yeah, I was close in Twilight Zone, the movie, but not quite. And then I made Buckaroo Banzai, and I went fully over the top. So, uh, yeah, that's where we are at this yeah. point. That's, that's what we're dealing with here. So, yeah, let's get into the spoiler section real quick. Absolutely. Uh, movie opens with an immediate title card. And once again, the title, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension.
0: And this logo and intro card it's mm-hmm. so it's hard to explain cuz it's typography yes but it's so odd and archaic yes which immediately this movie is going to and the title evokes mm-hmm. this idea of like old sci-fi pulp serials absolutely but the movie doesn't really seem to play with that much granted yeah i have seen zero sci-fi serials
1: yeah well i can i can fill you in a little bit on where i think now I looked up what the writer said his inspiration for the movie was, and he said he wanted to evoke the wild '70s kung fu movies. Yes. And as two people here who have watched a lot of '70s kung fu movies at this point and are planning on watching more, no, he didn't. No.
0: Well, that was the writer's intention. <laughs> that was the
1: writer's intention.
0: The director clearly decided for something much more boring. Right. Yeah. No. There's there's and no martial arts in this movie. No. At there's not. All. Uh, there's some action at the end, but I wouldn't even call it good action.
1: No, not really. It's it's it goes back to what we were talking about in the Street Fighter episode, where there's action that we like, where there's yeah. like a lot of like physical acting, a lot of f- fisticuffs, or the big,
0: gunplay is the gun so play, well choreographed,
1: gunkata, and in this movie, most of the action, with the exception of a couple of scenes is that sort of 80s commando-style action sequence where it's just a lot of pew-pew, pew-pew, I got you, no I did Shoot the gun in one shot, yeah. see
0: a reaction in the other.
1: Yes, if, if you're lucky. Most of it is actually very A-team, where you shoot a
0: gun and then you don't bah, see bah, any bah, reaction bah. at all. I buckaroo bonsai was supposed to be a franchise we'll talk it about was. that at the yes. end yeah but i wish there was for the buckaroo bonsai tv show obviously mm-hmm. the hong kong cavaliers would be framed for a crime they didn't commit and obviously. have to go underground obviously like the a-team yeah. in their double-decker bus with their name on it <laughs> they, they, they don't change that
1: even though even though they're wanted by the by the by the law they're still
0: touring Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta make ends meet somehow Buckaroo, we can't go on tour. We're going to play the most underground of underground clubs. (laughs) Uh, The title crawl comes up and tells us that
1: Buckaroo Banzai... His name comes from the fact that he is half American and half Japanese. Yes. Uh, And as we said at the top, he's a neurosurgeon, martial artist, although we don't get to see that in the movie, uh, particle physicist, and of course, a rock star. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a crew of associates who travel with him on his adventures called the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yep. Now, this is where I think the inspiration for this movie in its final form comes from. Uh, in the 80s, up until this point, there had already been a resurgence of a lot of 1930s adventure genres. Yeah. Flash Gordon had been brought back with Star Wars. The the sort of adventure archaeologist slash western had been brought back with Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I think with this one, Buckaroo Banzai and, and all that, I think the idea with this one was specifically the pulp hero genre. And the one that this mostly aligns up with... Is it's much less the shadow and much more Doc Savage? Okay. Are you familiar with Doc Savage at no. all? No. So, uh, just very briefly, the idea of this genre always had you had one superhumanly intelligent and pa- strong man. Gotcha. Doc Savage was invulnerable to harm, absolute genius, just a completely. When people say Superman is hard to relate to, they haven't met Doc Savage. Yet. <laughs> uh, but he, at the same time, he had this big crew. Full of these colorful characters that would all come from various places around the world or around the U.S. and have wacky accents that would be written into the margins of the of the of the stuff. It was the 1930s. It was a less progressive time. The Shadow was also a character like this, even though he was more Batman-y. He also had like this. Gigantic crew of people who would work with him that none of which got into the radio show, and so no one remembers them. Buckaroo Banzai is in that very same vein where he has this big crew. Nobody, nobody in his crew goes by their actual name. No. They all go by these uh, nicknames that are entirely based around where they come from. <laughs> Except for Perfect Tommy. Except for Perfect Tommy and Rawhide.
0: Well, it, it, I actually... assume Rawhide is called Rawhide because he likes rough gay sex.
1: I. <laughs> I can only assume. But Perfect Tommy is is named technically from where he is, because he's an angel.
0: Oh. Yeah. So I think that's
1: probably... Tom Angel. I think that's probably the idea behind this movie, just like, hey, more 30s pulp.
0: More 30s pulp. Yeah. Mike, here's a question. Go for it. Buckaroo is half Japanese. Yes, he is. Why is his group the Hong Kong Cavaliers? Oh, my God. I...
1: I have no idea. And I... It bothers
0: me so much. I'm <laughs> I'm sure there's an in-universe explanation. Sure, I just I don't want to assume mm-hmm. that it's just horrible ignorance on the part of anybody. One could argue that because
1: Buckaroo Banzai again, like the the idea of even even the idea of a Japanese person with the the surname Banzai, yes, is not great. It's absurd and it's very racist and. Uh, it's ridiculous. I'm wondering if the idea was like, you know that way that Alan Moore will write horribly racist stuff into, like, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and, mm. and it's like, everyone lets him get away with it, because it's like, it's a pastiche of something that would be written at the time. I wonder if the idea was, he's going to be Buckaroo Banzai and have all this stuff because it's going from a 1930s idea of Asian cultures but that got lost sometime in the mix at some point. Maybe. Uh, it's not okay either way. I'm not okay with it either way. But at the same time, like I'm just trying to get into their headspace a little bit here.
0: There was, in the world, in the sequel that never happened. Yes. There was going to be an enemy named... The leader of the World Crime League was...
1: Hanoi Zan, which is also like a takeoff on the name... I do. Kn- I'm not going to remember the actual name, but it's it's very close to the name of the shadows arch nemesis in his pulp novels from the time period. So they they the yellow peril villains were all the rage. Yeah. In the 1930s. So you could
0: be onto something. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't I, think it's. I don't think it
1: worked. I. Either they way, were it's confusing
0: and off putting to me just on a gut level.
1: Yes. Even if it is a sort of thing, we're like, oh no! You see, the Hong Kong Cavaliers all met in Hong Kong. That's why. Then just say that. <laughs> like, yeah. But th- that we'll get into that later. But yes. Uh, so,
0: Banzai's team. Now I want a John Woo movie a John- <laughs> with the Hong Kong Cavaliers. <laughs> John- I want rawhide to oh just my be God. like. I just want Clancy Brown to be fucking yes. sliding across the floor, dual-wielding. John
1: Woo's Buckaroo Banzai would be something <laughs> to behold. Although, again, like we we talked a little bit about this movie before recording, uh, and I messaged you that the movie that I kept thinking about when watching this was the movie Streets of Fire, yes. which is another... Which ni- is a much
0: more fun 80s movie.
1: A much more fun 80s movie that also is like a, a throwback to these pulpy 1930s yes. adventures. It also includes a, a rock band element, and I just really wanted this to be more like
0: that the no, I wish time. every movie was more like Streets of Fire. <laughs> I'm going to watch Drive My Car and spend three hours being like, why isn't Willem Dafoe here in <laughs> nipple-high pleather overalls? We got to cover that at some point. Drive My Car, sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I'll, I'll leave Streets of Fire to you. Okay. Because that's one you've seen, and that's one that you is can true. easily... Uh, and we haven't yeah. watched it for like a year, so you should be able to rewatch it.
1: That's true. Okay. But yes, so Banzai's team, I assume that these are all the Hong Kong Cavaliers, but I don't know if some of them are not and some of them are. It's never it's made entirely clear. No, But the at least Banzai's people, uh, Buckaroo Banzai's people, are preparing to test an interdimensional jet car. Yes. How m- more tukusatsu concept can you possibly get? Buckaroo Bonsai is late to the meeting. He's not there because he's busy doing laser brain surgery with Jeff Goldblum and Clancy Brown.
0: Yes. There's no one I want. There's no team that I would rather have <laughs> in an operating room than those three actors. <laughs> not even the characters of Rawhide, Jersey, and Buckaroo Bonsai. I want those. Yeah. Th- if I ever need to get my noggin cracked open. Yes. You get those three. Get those. Three. They're my A team. Oh, I want my blood on their hands. <laughs> I want Clancy Brown to go to go home to his wife that night and be like, "I don't know why he asked me, I, I... but I had to do it." Given the amount
1: of degrees that Peter Cullen has outside of his acting work, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a secret brain surgeon. Peter Weller. Sorry, yes, Peter Weller. Peter Cullen is the voice of Optimus Prime. I'm sorry. They both have very impressive deep voices. Yes, they do but yes peter weller is playing buckaroo Banzai. he's doing this laser surgery while he's doing it he offers a character who i can only remember as the name of jersey because he's from New Jersey, and yeah. they keep calling him New Jersey, and as that's just that becomes his nickname in the yeah. group, played by Jeff Goldblum, he offers him a spot, a permanent spot as part of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. And meanwhile, Clancy Brown's just manning the phones, letting everyone with the Jeff <laughs> Carr people know. Yeah, I know he's running late.
0: Oh man, Rawhide always manning them phones. Clancy you Brown's ever tele- name is Rawhide. You ever have a telethon? <laughs> Rawhide's the first to volunteer. Oh my god! Every I... Labor Day. <laughs> Jerry Lewis calls up his old pal, Rawhide. <laughs> Buckaroo lends him out.
1: You know, I got out of that game a long
0: time ago, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, Fuck muscular dystrophy. <laughs> but yes, a- anyway... even if you don't know who Peter Weller is... Oh, yes. He was Robocop... Yes. He was in the film Naked Lunch. Yes. I'm sure he's done other things.
1: He recently voiced Batman in the Dark Knight Returns animated film adaptation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter Weller is a f- awesome. I love Peter Weller. Sure. I'm I, i going to say something that's maybe a bit controversial. I feel he's a bit miscast in this part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Peter Weller is a terrific actor. Yes. He has, he has a very specific presence. Yes. I would not call him Mr. Charisma.
1: No. I mean, like, again, he was cast as Robocop for a reason. Yes. Yes. Because he's icy. He, yes. He's extremely... The he's character extremely... of Iceman in Top Gun was based off of Peter Weller. Exactly. No, he's extremely subdued. He's extremely
0: sort of internal as an actor. And, like, the performance of Buckaroo Bonsai doesn't necessarily have to be big, but there needs to be this energy behind mm-hmm. it. Like, even if even if Buckaroo himself is very subdued, yes. he needs to have this... I feel like he needs this chaotic, playful energy somewhere. He, I think they cast him
1: because uh, he has that sort of like square jaw look, yeah. of the nineteen thirties hero again.
0: They and want he him does
1: to... for Peter to Peter Weller's credit, he brings that energy at a couple of places. There are a couple of places where he goes bigger than I've ever seen Peter Weller go. Sure, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I just i, I felt like honestly, Jeff Goldblum would have been the better choice, sure. for the part. Because Jeff
0: Goldblum would have had that sort of quirky, like, mad genius thing exactly. going for him. And just sort of the spaciness. And yeah. Another problem is, as we're going to see, soon see, mm-hmm. John Lithgow is at 11. Yes. He is at 11 this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's such an energy disparity between Buckaroo and Dr. Lizardo. Yes. That's like, I... I just want to watch Dr. Lazardo. Yeah, they're trying
1: to go... With Buckaroo Bonsai, they needed someone a little bit more like Adam West. They needed someone sure. who would have that sort of like tongue-in-cheek that vibe. That playfulness. That playfulness, exactly. But yeah, so uh, the supercar is 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 just about to go, and Buckaroo gets there just in time. All that tension was completely pointless. He gets there in time, he gets in the car, and the, the, the jet car looks like a sort of uh, Ford jeep that's been mixed with the both the batmobile and the back to the future car uh they get set to test it uh they mention something about this car being able to travel in between dimensions but really apparently today's just a phase one speed test Yep, he drives off The test is going well,
0: but Buckaroo calls an audible. He's like, "Fuck that! Fuck "Fuck that! Let's go speed test. Let's go straight into phase two. Let's go through dimensions."
1: And apparently, they they haven't even told most of the people there what phase two is because you hear people in the background going,
0: "What's phase two? What's going
1: on?" He swerves off the course. That's
0: Hong Kong top secret, my friend. That's Hong Kong top secret.
1: He swerves off the path. He goes straight towards a mountain, and again, just in an effect that's very similar to the Delorean from Back to the Future. Which came out after this, by the way. And They oh, stole
0: this effect and Christopher Lloyd. Yes, yeah, both exactly. He Robert Zemeckis <laughs> in a domino mask, <laughs> just creeping onto the set. He throwing John Big Boute over his shoulder. The scene where John Big
1: Boute kidnaps the scientists from the press conference <laughs> yeah. was inspired by
0: Robert, Robert Zemeckis is,
1: kidnapping uh, his, Doc Brown.
0: Absolutely his daring daylight kidnapping. <laughs> He, of character actor Christopher Lloyd. He blasts right
1: through the mountain and into another dimension, a big blue spirally dimension mm-hmm. uh, full of nightmare imagery and monsters. Kind of reminded me, maybe just because I just rewatched this, of the alternate dimension they go into in Pacific Rim, although a lot bl- lower tech. And almost immediately after he's there, he makes it through the other side of the mountain and back to his home dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, his car is smoking and covered in slime, and he finds a little tiny brain attached to the bottom of uh, the undercarriage of the yes. vehicle.
0: Now, all I, I want to... This movie has an interesting One Thousand miles Weird connection. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if all the effects, or just the makeup effects, or just what have you, mm-hmm. were done by Berman Studios. Okay. As in Thomas Berman, mm-hmm. as in the writer and director of Meet the Hollowheads. Oh my god!
1: Yes! That's awesome! Mm-hmm. That's fantastic! Well, that's, I mean, if, if we had a 1000 Wives of Weird Hall of Fame, he would be in it. Absolutely. So, that's this is just more reason for that. The effects in this movie are even if he just did the makeup effects the effects in this movie are very interesting yeah yeah i don't know that i love the aliens look oh i don't like the aliens okay. look. okay we'll talk I, about I that a bit we'll,
0: later. we will get to that uh, but the, all the little organic shit like this little nubbin he finds on his car some stuff mm-hmm. we'll see later i love that i love this david cronenberg uh shit absolutely Almost wish that there was a little bit more of it. Sure. But that's
1: just because, as we discussed before, and you see it in the logo about, like, what I'm doing in the logo for our show. I love Lovecraft shit and movies. So, always more
0: with that. And I would have loved that, like, since the movie is playing with so many different tones and stuff, like... Just this level of revolting horror
1: would Absolutely. be awesome. Yeah, just to have like everything is this very sort of corny, campy, sort of like uh, bloodless universe. And then suddenly you go to the eighth dimension is it's just hell. Yes. Hell is
0: here. Uh, uh, I also want to point out something. Sure. Again, this was 1984, which was three years before RoboCop mm-hmm. and I believe two years before The Fly. So Interesting. Uh, Jeff Goldblum and Peter Weller weren't at the top of the world yet.
1: Not not quite the top of the world, no. Peter Weller actually had a very similar question to the question I kept asking when watching the movie when he read the script.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he, s-
1: he said, what's the tone? Will the movie be campy? Will it be uh, a cartoon? Or will it be sort of wacky, realistic film that would catch people sideways and not be a cartoon? And I, I couldn't find anyone saying what the tone was supposed to be. Uh, There were several times during the movie I thought it was several different things. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of my biggest problem, I think, overall, is just I don't know what the movie's... uh, where it's trying to aim for. Yeah,
0: I believe they... uh, Skimming the Wikipedia article, it seems like they had a lot of... Production struggles. They definitely did. Uh, there was yeah. an interfering producer. Yes, and that could be a large part of why this does not work for us. Yes. Maybe yeah. the original vision was much different. There is that the
1: at a certain point, and we'll get to it. The producer stopped interfering and allowed them to do whatever they wanted for a while, and then like started interfering again right at the end. Gotcha. So I'm not sure like how much is you know it, it's it's complicated. Now I have a
0: question for you. Yes. Do you think all this stuff would be more interesting if we didn't have that opening crawl? Like if you were just thrown into this yes. world, it's like. Okay, he's a doctor and mm-hmm. now he's in a jet car and he's in a band too and he has this posse called the Hong Kong Cavaliers. I think yes and no. The 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 opening title
1: screams to me of Kiefer sutherland's narration in dark city
0: oh yeah i believe it was probably or
1: or or harrison ford's narration in blade runner you know some some terrified producer being like what the fuck have you guys made you have to explain
0: this shit which was very much the feeling at the studio oh yeah and or, or
1: and uh i think that if you were to excise that entirely and just have the opening of the film i think you have something closer to the creator's vision That being said, this movie delights in leaving you out of the loop on things. Yes. And only some of that stuff is included in the title crawl. There's a bunch of other stuff that I think uh, you would still be very confused about. One thing, though, that they do say in the in the opening title crawl they say that there's a spaceship watching us from orbit that's not revealed as a plot point until several scenes later mm-hmm. and I do think that the movie would be better without that for that because the minute you tell me there's a spaceship in orbit I don't care about anything that's going on I want to yeah. know about what that spaceship is Yes, because I've seen all this stuff before I haven't seen that but anyway we then cut to John Lithgow doing his audition for Edgar in Men in Black <laughs>
0: <laughs> sugar water <laughs> But Italian, uh, and sugar to water. The sugar, she is a water. So uh, uh, <laughs> apparently, as I was watching the credits, mm-hmm. I noticed that John Lithgow has a credited dialect coach. Oh d- yeah, yeah, which you, was actually just a tailor on the yes. MGM studio that he would just like record. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there's some tailor
1: with an Italian accent. He recorded him, based his accent off of that, and then they credited
0: this Taylor as the dialect coach. And, again, John Lithgow is the best fucking part of this movie. Oh my God. The best way to experience this movie is just to go on YouTube and look up uh, Buckaroo Bonsai, all John Lithgow scenes. Yeah, no,
1: I I, I wrote my... The... Way that I put it in my notes is if there's any reason to see this movie, it
0: is John Lithgow. He is, he is so good, <laughs> and he's so fun. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like his ridiculous Italian accent, his rotting teeth, yeah, his big red fright wig, like, yes. And he's having the time of his oh life too. It seems
1: if if Peter Weller is supposed to be our Adam West for this, uh, John Lithgow is our Frank Gorshin. Like he is <laughs> just going fucking ham on this shit and also there's an element to john lithgow the dialogue in this movie is very strange it is it's, it's just very strange one of the actresses uh who's in the movie plays the character pretty penny that we'll get to later said that she felt like it the movie was star wars if written by a beat poet yeah i can uh, see that yeah and i the dialogue to me never quite makes sense coming out of the mouths of any of the characters except John Lithgow because he's got that theater training where just like you can tell like he's just studied this shit and gone over these lines until yeah. they feel exactly right he coming out of Found his mouth.
0: a way to make it feel natural. It's like and when that's the key. You're watching
1: Romeo plus Juliet and you're like, "Hey, none of these actors know what they're talking about." And then Pete Postlethwaite comes on screen, and you're like, "Oh my god, this guy <laughs> this guy bleeds Shakespeare." It's that kind of thing. Also, uh, this role was written specifically for John Lithgow. Yes, and they as had to, all roles should as be. all roles should be. And apparently, they had to fight to get to allow this stupid producer to let them cast John Lithgow. So, uh, you know,
0: people are stupid. Uh, but John Lithgow is playing Doctor Lizardo, who is yes. Uh, Consigned to a mental asylum. Oh, one other thing about his
1: performance, uh, he said that he based his movement in the role on an old crab.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> but yes. Uh, so, jo- Doctor Lazardo. Yes. Doctor Lazardo is is this is this professor? He's he's been locked in this insane asylum for years, years and years ago. As we see in a flashback, he and another scientist and who is their...
0: working with. Buckaroo in the present day yes. on this trans dimensional jet car. This was originally a project that this same scientist
1: was working with Buckaroo and Dr. Lazardo were working on back in the, the 30s. 30s. yeah. And uh, there was uh, sort of a mix up, there was some sort of mistake, and Dr. Lazardo got himself stuck halfway between this other dimension and our dimension when he was finally pulled out of the hole, like Winnie the Pooh being pulled out of Rabbit's mm-hmm. house. He had the red fright wig and was insane and freaking out. And he and running brought the back place. something with him. He brought back something with him inside of yes. him. Yes, uh, again body horror. Uh, but now he's in this insane asylum and he's hearing this news about how Buckaroo Banzai has, has cracked the door to the eighth dimension, and now he needs to start uh, getting ready to escape, but not before he gives himself some good old electroshock therapy. Yep, he needs them volts. Needs them volts.
0: And it's... uh, It's not just John Lithgow's performance, it's all the, like, production design around him, because the way he shocks himself, he has this spiky little thing he puts on his tongue like mm-hmm. it's it looks wonderful it looks it's, so great it's crazy and i don't think they ever explain why he does that mm. he's just crazy and he likes that and that's presumably something the spoiler alert alien might like mm, sure they maybe, seem to maybe. be very into electricity they
1: yes that's very
0: true uh
1: and uh, john lithgow is in a mental hospital as we said and his orderly is jonathan banks was it Jonathan Banks in this scene, or just the security guard later? No, it was in this scene, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's him in both scenes. He gets to be in two scenes out of this whole movie. And I just, uh, I have not seen Breaking Bad yet. That's another blind spot for me. But I have seen, I think it's season five of Community. Yes. When he was uh, one of the actors on the show, and I love every second he's on screen in that show. Mm-hmm. But no time for, for all of this. Buckaroo Banzai. Well, and hold his, on.
0: Okay. As the orderly is leaving, he gives uh, Lizardo some shit. Yes. And Jonathan Lithgow delivers what he considers one of his iconic lines. Oh. I was I was listening to a podcast that John Lithgow was on once. Can't remember which one it was. I think it was Doug Loves Movies. Sure. And he talked about how, I don't know if this was a regular thing he did or just like a one-time thing, but I guess he would or went to a high school Okay. And like did some of his iconic lines for the kids, <laughs> which I would love that now. Oh my god! I would yes. I would be fucking coming myself. Yeah, but I don't know <laughs> that most high schoolers are like, oh my god, Broadway actor John Lithgow <laughs> is gonna come spout lines from the world according to Garp at us. <laughs> But he, uh, he, deliver- please,
1: please deliver your
0: lines from blowout. Tell us about the whores, <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, line that Jonathan Lithgow quoted on mm-hmm. this podcast, laugh while you can a monkey boy, yeah. <laughs> that is a pretty great line. Laugh while you can the monkey boy and monkey boy seems to be an insult that these aliens have for humans in general.
1: It's a very sort of common science fiction element of aliens coming from other worlds and then just sort of like picking on the fact that we have simian ancestors. Mm-hmm. It's a common sci-fi thing. Anyway, so Bucker Bonsai and his crew are discussing the interdimensional car, but uh, they can't get too deep into it. There's no time for science because they have a gig. <laughs>
0: they have a gig at a... Nightclub that seems to have a capacity of about twenty.
1: Of about twenty, and there's a there's a an angry club owner. There's like, I don't care if you guys are big shots when you're here, you play fucking music. And I'm like, what? Well, what did you think they were there for,
0: my guy? Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, <laughs> it's the Hong Kong Cavaliers traveling Chautauqua.
1: <laughs> uh, but yes, they go up and and they get ready. And again, uh, having seen Streets of Fire my expectations for this rock band were a little bit too high yeah
0: because <laughs> i don't particularly enjoy the music they play no i don't like and it also, i don't like the music in most of this movie no i don't either yeah. um here's another thing it's like buckaroo bonsai is like jesus in this universe like he's, yes he is bigger than jesus he is yes. Like we said, comic books, video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, In-universe, they, they publish
1: Buckaroo Bonsai comics and video games, and I assume, like, their movies and all this shit. I'm sure. it's Again, it's, it's a lot like the Fantastic Four back in the day.
0: Now, this could go either way, where it could be a mm-hmm. thing where it's like, Buckaroo Bonsai should be playing stadiums. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, no, Buckaroo's so cool, he only plays small venues. Right, right. So I don't know, but this... Again, this club seems so small, it just yeah. seems like a skimpy budget thing. It's possible. The movie, Which, again, could be a producer Yeah, the movie did
1: not have a lot of... This scene would be so much funnier if they were actually in a stadium.
0: Yeah. Because... Oh, no, it absolutely
1: would, because... Yeah, because as the scene goes on, they, they're they playing their music. By the way, Peter Weller played all of his own instruments and sang. Well, he mind playing the piano. Oh, he mind playing the piano? Yes. Uh, I thought he can play the piano in real life. The Wikipedia article said he mimed it. Okay, never mind. But uh, he did do his own singing. And Bucker Banzai calls the concert to a halt. And he says, wait a second, wait a second. Is someone not having a good time?
0: <laughs> so some, Someone out there is not having a good time. Yeah, exactly. I do want yeah. to jump back briefly. Oh, sorry. One of my favorite moments in the film. Yeah. And probably the only, one of the few parts of this sequence that I like Buckaroo is blandly shredding his guitar. Yes. Then he pulls out a tiny trumpet. Yes, yes, which is is an instrument that uh, Peter Weller also plays. Yes, uh, I, I like to think that Peter Weller is just like, if you're on an elevator ride with Peter Weller and it's, <laughs> it's silent for too long, he just sort of sneaks out the pocket trumpet. And it's like starts playing taps.
1: I like to imagine he just plays the. The only bit of music that I actually like from this movie, the ending bit, but yeah, he stops the yeah, concert. All, the only music Peter Weller performs is the scores
0: from his own films. Buckaroo
1: <laughs> Banzai. Peter Weller is is like the cast of Spinal Tap. Yeah, he and the Hong Kong Cavaliers will get together and do a tour every once in a yep. while. I want that to be true.
0: Uh, it's not yeah. Like- I want to know what Perfect Tommy's up to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's being perfect, obviously. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Banzai has, has realized that even though all these people are digging their sound there's one person in the crowd who is crying and he can't stand for that And so he decides to in a scene that the movie seems to think is sweet in a moment that made my social anxiety go through the roof
0: yeah, he brings this, a spotlight out on this horribly depressed woman which again <laughs> this could be hilarious Yeah, but the movie is again playing it like and I'm sort of of two minds, because as yeah. we're about to learn that this woman, Penny Pretty... Yes. ...is suicidal... Yes. So, I'm of two minds. Like, on one hand, leave people the fuck alone. Right. Like, uh, so what? She's not happy, she's crying, like, just leave her the fuck alone. Also, why come out to a rock concert, or whatever concert, if you're... It seems like an inappropriate place to kill yourself.
1: Well, they're definitely, like, at a nightclub, because she's just, like, at a table.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, but, so... Um, but at the same time, like it is sort of cool that like Buckaroo wants everyone to have a good time, although yeah. he's not very effective at cheering people up. Not he's just like I'm going to sing a song at you. Yeah, his
1: solution to this is well, he he has this great line where he says, "Hey, hey, hey, hey," because people are oh starting my God, to I jeer. Love, I love this line to jeer at. us like, can I hey, do hey, it? Go for it. Yeah,
0: don't be mean. We don't have to be mean because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, and I wish there was more Zen shit like that yeah. from Buckaroo Banzai, like more, more like positive affirmation shit, like yeah, that that's a I love that line, and I've actually heard that line quoted wherever you go, no, there you are, mm-hmm. is something that is quoted elsewhere, like out of this context, yeah. But I think I first heard it as someone quoting Buckaroo Banzai, which mm-hmm. might have sparked my interest in the film. Sure, it's a wonderful little Zen phrase. Like, it's a great it's, thing.
1: I I think that. Again, I'm I'm not a big fan of the way that this dialogue is written. I yeah. don't think it works for a majority of the film. But, but every once in a while, there's something like that where it's like uh, the movie is again. It's going for that sort of beat poet, sort of weird, uh, yeah. jazzy kind of thing. But uh, I'm there are people who can do that well, and there are people who apparently can't. And in this, that line is one of the moments where it gets. It kind of moves into something that Agent Cooper would say on Twin Peaks. Yes,
0: uh, and that and, and that that's a Twin Peaks is an example of writing like this that works. And I think what sells this line so well is that this is in Peter Weller's wheelhouse. Yeah, he understood. <laughs> he fucking understood what was being said. Yes, so he is able to deliver it with the right amount of like introspection and mm-hmm. this Zen quality and yeah. like. Who was able to project it and it, it very much felt heartfelt and real. No matter where you go, there you are. Uh, now and... you're saying it like Grant Mazzy. <laughs> <laughs> we were never making sense. Uh, but yeah. Also, uh, again, her name is Penny Pretty. Yes. And Buckaroo Banzai hilariously keeps getting it wrong. What is, what is he he's keeps calling her Peggy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's actually a plot point. Yes. He, he's calling
1: her Peggy because, well,. I'm not going to tell you because the movie doesn't tell you for like three hours. Yeah. But like, in an in a hour, 45-minute movie, it takes three hours to tell you what he's
0: talking about with Peggy. Uh, but I'll bring this up now. Yeah. I think a huge stumbling block for this film, mm-hmm. and one of the things that makes it not fun and not work for me, is I never get any sense of who Buckaroo Banzai is. Yes. Like, even vaguely as a character. Mm-hmm. Is he... Like... Is he, a- is he a Zen dude? Mm-hmm. Is he a goofy airhead who keeps getting this sad woman's name wrong? Is he sometimes it seems he survives on pure luck. Sure. Sometimes he fights dirty. Yeah. Like Is he like a Reed Richards? Is he like a Bruce Wayne? Is he like a Sarugi? Like what who who what is this guy? Who and if he? he's all of these things, yeah. you need to make that work somehow. There needs to be some static thing. That this revolving these revolving traits can move around, like, yeah. And this is a problem with every character in the film except for Lizardo. Mm-hmm. There are at least half a dozen Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yes, we never get much sense of who they are at all. Exactly.
1: Now, and this is where we come down to like the main thing about this movie that I guess I'm I'm just going to spoil right now because. Uh, we've gotten to the Peggy bit, and that's like the first kind of like real example of this. Before I say this, I just want to say that a lot of this idea that I have about the movie is not original to me. I picked it up from a YouTuber named Kyle Calgerin, okay. who it was actually one of the uh, people that I kind of credit with first getting me in, interested in in weird movies and like uh, basically like teaching me that art films were not bad; they were just different and i should that was on me to to accept them so if if you're listening kyle calgarin thank you and also you might i'm sorry we're shitting on this movie that you love (laughs) but um something that he's talked about in a youtube video that he made about this movie and something i really noticed in this this movie is not made to be the first adventure of buckaroo bonsai no the movie is assuming This movie is essentially a late-era Marvel Cinematic Universe movie Yes, uh, where the concept going into the film with the way that the script is written and the way that everything is filmed is that there have been decades upon decades upon decades of uh, Buckaroo bonsai stories that we are all familiar with, even though they don't exist... In the film, we are all familiar with them. Yes. That's why we never learn who Buckaroo Banzai is, because the movie assumes you already know. Yeah. That's why you don't know get to know any of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, and why there are constant references to things that the audience of Buckaroo Banzai mm-hmm. clearly already knows about. The This is the sort of meta-narrative of the film, is that this is just one installment in a long line of Buckaroo Banzai adventures. And on a certain level, so, and this is one of those instances where he keeps calling her Peggy. We as the audience know who Peggy is, even though the real audience doesn't. Yeah. The audience, the meta narrative audience, absolutely knows who Peggy is, and they're crying during the scene. They're in tears. Gotcha. Uh, but, and there are many more examples of this going forward, including the most infamous one, which we will get to. This is where it almost elevates the movie into a level of, like, art. But I feel like, since this movie was not supposed to be a one-off art film, it was supposed to be actually creating an ongoing franchise of Buckaroo Bonsai movies. Yeah. If you're going to do that as a gag, where it's like, hey, we are keep referencing back to all these old uh, Buckaroo Bonsai adventures, lean into it way more. Yeah. Way more. Because I don't... It's... It's so subtle. It's done as if these adventures actually existed. Like, if this... This feels more like a sequel than it does a, a one-off movie. Yeah. But if it is a one-off movie, so you have to... The, the audience is not going to go with you on this. You have to spell it out for them a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I de- no, I definitely got the... Mm-hmm. That idea that this is one of the many adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. But as you're saying, like... That's great in theory. Yeah, that's a fun experiment. It is. How about you let us enjoy it too? It's
1: it's a great idea for an experiment, but the filmmakers didn't want to make an experimental film. They wanted to make a series. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where the issue becomes. But yeah, uh, John Lithgow makes a call to Grover's Mill, New Jersey, which made my little 1930s radio fan heart skip mm-hmm. a beat. Not going to say why because it becomes a plot point later. Uh, but he, he calls up Grover's Mill, New Jersey to call Hello, up, is this a New Jersey? Yes, to call up it's John 91. Big Booty. Big Booty. Uh, and on his way out the door, escaping uh, the asylum, he kills Jonathan Banks, just to let us know he's really the bad guy. Yep. And happens to pass by another inmate playing a Buckaroo
0: Banzai arcade machine. Yeah, uh, that is only on the start screen. Oh, this person is playing their heart out they're playing their heart out they're on the high score screen
1: oh my god oh my god but yes uh bonsai and his team immediately learn about the escape of dr Lazardo. and as you mentioned dr Lazardo gets more explanation in this movie because in the universe where this is a series dr Lazardo is one of the new characters
0: yeah uh, we also get the first mention of yo-yo dine industries Yes, which is a reference to the work of Thomas Pynchon. Who's I, Thomas Pynchon? Thomas Pynchon is a famous reclusive author mm. who wrote the postmodern, uh, impenetrable novel *Gravity's Rainbow*. Went through all 1100 pages, mm-hmm. and it's something. <laughs> I seem to remember
1: this. You you were reading it like at a rehearsal or something in a show we were in, and no, I read that before we met. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. never mind. Um, I seem to remember you reading a really long book and then being like, I wanted to get through it. And I'm like, how was it? And you're like, not worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what one that could have been. That's uh, all right. But uh, Yo-Yo Dine, I guess, was first introduced in the novel V, which I... I No, I don't have that one. Mm-hmm. I've never read it. But it is also part of The Crying of Lot 49, mm-hmm. which I have read. And is Thomas Pynchon writes very strange books. Very mm-hmm. strange, very hard to understand books gotcha uh, part of the plot of the crying of lot 49 involves Jacobian revenge plays Wow and uh, he part of the novel is some excerpts from this fake Jacobian revenge plays oh, it's also about wow. the mail um like the the post office like the yeah. mail wow yeah there's okay. like a secret post office. Does, that ties does, in with the jacobian revenge play it's insane
1: never thought that there would be so much overlap between this author and the plot of the stupids but apparently okay yeah uh
0: crying of lot 49 is actually a very short book it's okay. possible we might do it for the show okay and just spend two hours going like i didn't understand this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't get it it's interesting Bonsai and his team
1: learn of the escape of Dr. Lazardo. One of his associates, Perfect Tommy, seems to mistake Dr. Lazardo for Mr. Wizard, uh, leading to a line that I appreciated where Reno, Nevada, one of uh, Buckaroo Bonsai's other associates, says, this guy's a top scientist, Doomkopf. And Perfect Tommy says, so is Mr. Wizard. (laughs) Bonsai's band rolls in a tour bus that's bigger on the inside. It's a double-decker bus that seems to have... uh very spacious rooms for everybody incredibly spacious everyone gets their own individual room and they still have room enough for a whole team of scientists at this big board of uh, switchboard just doing their thing uh, they arrive at a police station at the police station where oh, oh my god we skipped forgot over about the end. cowboy jeff goldblum no we skipped over the ending of pretty penny scene oh my god yeah we did she tr- she tries to kill herself But someone knocks her hand and her gun goes off in the
0: air. And they mistake it for an assassination attempt on the life of world-famous surgeon, rock star, particle physicist, Buckaroo Bonsai.
1: Yes. So they are now driving up to this prison to see Pretty Penny in the prison. Penny Pretty. Uh, Oh, Penny Pretty. That's right. Oh, my God. Uh, to, To see Penny Pretty. And outside, they meet up with... Uh, Jeff Goldblum, New Jersey, yeah. who is now joined their crew and is wearing no longer his surgical outfit, but his street clothes, which are the most comically uh, over the top cowboy suit I've yes. seen in a while. It's
0: one of those <laughs> super fancy cowboy duds. It's like, oh my god, a super Dorman's jacket that has like buttons going diagonal on both sides. Like you have this. Frontispiece that just attaches. Yeah. The way. It's, I, it's not quite Roy
1: Rogers, but it's getting there.
0: It's like if someone was trying to one up Roy Rogers. <laughs> it's like if someone was like, I need to humiliate Roy Rogers <laughs> with how much of a fucking cowboy. Because he has yeah. like furry chaps. Oh too. my God.
1: He has the furriest chaps. So uh,
0: the way, again, this is just from the Wikipedia article. Yes. The costume designer's idea was like. Okay, he's the new guy. Mm-hmm. How would you dress if you were auditioning for someone named Buckaroo Bonsai?
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah. okay, I can, Which, I can, I can see that.
0: Maybe put a line in there. Yeah, maybe where he's like, uh, you. I, I thought because of the Buckaroo thing. Uh, 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 cause he
1: dresses that way for the rest of the movie. Yes, and he I does. Don't. think... I'm not sure exactly, I know that this movie takes place over the course of at least two days, if not yeah. more than that, so he could have changed out of those clothes at any time. Could have, guess he feels comfortable in guess them. he feels comfortable in those furry, furry chaps. Uh, but yes,
0: uh... <laughs> one of my line, one of my notes that comes up in a while, and I have no clue what it's a reference to, Okay, just says, Rawhide knows what's up. <laughs>
1: That could go for any scene Rawhide is in. Rawhide is the voice of reason. Rawhide is. In a, in a movie where hey, everyone's kind of the voice of hashtag reason. Hashtag justice for Rawhide, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Rawhide. And it, part of it is the fact that he's played by Clancy Brown, but Rawhide is, like, the coolest person in oh, this yeah. movie. Oh,
0: yeah. He's. I think it is entirely because it's Clancy Brown, where it's yeah. just like because he doesn't get much to do. But for whatever reason, I'm just projecting Clancy Brown's film persona on him. Sure, yeah. Where it's like Rawhide's cool. Yeah, <laughs> Rawhide doesn't do anything, but he's cool. It's cool with oh, Perfect Tommy. <laughs> Uh, he's he's
1: yeah, he's definitely cooler than perfect Tommy.
0: Do you, uh, so I I did some digging and I found out sure. there are many Hong Kong Cavaliers who did not make the cut. Oh of this film. yes,
1: in fact, in in this very scene, Jeff Goldblum keeps looking for one a Hong Kong Cavalier named Pecos. Pecos. and they go like, oh no, he's in Tibet. Yeah, which I can only assume is another Twin Peaks crossover.
0: Probably. Yeah. So but uh, there are even more. There are there are. Literally hundreds of thousands of Hong Kong cats. Right. Buckaroo bonsai makes it seem like a big deal if there's an open spot. Sure. One of them died of old age. <laughs> and just like... <laughs> but uh, a, a couple of them... Yeah. Uh, I.
1: I. You messaged me about this. I've been Googling a few.
0: I. So I have a few that I found as well. So one of my favorites is Cawhide. Oh, Cawhide. Which is... Technically, it's just Rawhide, mm-hmm. but it's his Dark Avenger alter ego where he's a crow man. Oh, my God. And uh, they just thought it was too dark for the film because... Right. ...Cawhide murders. <laughs> he pecks... He pecks <laughs> uh, Evil's heart out. Right, right, and right. And feasts upon their corpses. He's a carrion feeder.
1: There's an earlier experiment with a jet car where they went to the seventh dimension. Yes. And they found... Uh, rawhide's uh, evil crow version of himself and just let him join the crew anyway because you know they had a spot open
0: another one i really enjoyed is west texas who only speaks in lyrics from the mountain goats album all hail west texas
1: (laughs) ahead of his time yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: john darneal was on set just just scribbling just scribbling lines and his stepdad was there Hitting them across the face. And the lawsuit is ongoing. Yes. Uh, well, that's why West Texas wasn't in, because they couldn't get the rights to Baby John's songs. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, oh, so they
1: they still ripped Baby John off. It's not... They didn't... Baby John wasn't just, like,
0: copying the script down. No, no, oh, no. Oh, okay. It, John Darnielle wrote it. Gotcha. But, uh, like... And the character... They tried. The character just didn't work. He was just, right. like... Every time, he was like, hey, what if we named our band... Instead of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, what about the Killers? Mm-hmm. Or uh, the Hospital Bombers? <laughs> or Satan's Fingers? <laughs> They're like, this This is just not working out. And uh, uh, another one I found it, was just Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> Ayn Rand was a Hong Kong Cavalier. A little,
1: bit, a little bit, they felt that was a little bit too 80s. Yes. Yeah, to have... <laughs> I <laughs> ran be part of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Uh well the ones that I found, I found there, it was like a father son duo. Yeah. That was on the team. There was there was the younger the younger guy, New Orleans. Okay. And his father, Old Orleans. Okay. Yeah. And they were both like Old Orleans used to be used to be just Orleans but then he got older so yeah. they named him Old and then New Orleans But so they needed some way to keep them apart and the two of them are you know obviously they they play they play with the with the band mm-hmm.
0: uh, and uh, they <laughs> playing uh, uh, spoons and washboards <laughs> and <laughs> They have a Zydeco feel that, oh no, old orleans is
1: is like a jazz drummer, oh, okay. a jazz drummer, and he's he's teaching new orleans the the, the ropes. Uh, and uh, and they both have the sort of a very similar gimmick where they they take their drumsticks into battle with them, oh, okay. yeah. And so there was actually there was a whole sequence. That had to be cut from this movie. They were originally in the film. Yeah. And they had to be cut because they the actors couldn't get the drumstick char- choreography right. There was going to be a whole kung fu fight scene involving oh, drumsticks. That sounds great. Had to great. cut the whole thing. Had to cut the whole thing. Um, uh, and that was all I had. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to take a break? And this is another place where I think that the movie... Uh, trying to start a franchise could have taken a different take and made a much better, stronger choice... Uh, Jeff Goldblum's a new member okay. on the crew. Okay, we had a
0: similar thought here then.
1: Yeah, why not follow Jeff Goldblum as he's being introduced to this world? Yes. Then all the references to the past adventures, Jeff Goldblum can be there. And in he's our surrogate
0: of- where he's also going... Yeah. I'm sorry, what?
1: Yeah, that's sort of Dr. Watson energy where he's just sort of like, uh, "Excuse me, uh, Inspector Lestrade, do we, we know Inspector Lestrade? What, what yeah. uh, who's who's that?" Uh, no, who's, that is definitely I thought We weren't
0: uh, talking to the police, uh, excuse me. That is definitely an approach I thought of too. Like that would yeah. be so much better because again, Mr. Peter Weller, fantastic actor absolutely at what he does yes not mr charisma <laughs> so like he it could work as more of a distant like mm-hmm. this mythical figure and like i think that would work a lot better my other idea is follow dr lizardo interesting okay. where it's like and then it's like oh no who's gonna stop this nefarious plot mm-hmm. buckaroo I always just always just one step ahead so
1: you sort of like the way that a lot of episodes of batman the animated series would follow the villain's story much more closely. Yeah. And just have Buckaroo eyes that Batman esque wall that is constant, the villains are constantly coming up against.
0: Yeah. In their. And mostly, yeah. like, I probably wouldn't suggest that if anyone other than John Lithgow right. were yeah. at the helm because. So really, like, this may- is
1: your sneaky way of getting more John Lithgow in your Exactly. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say. John Lithgow, for as great as he is in this movie, criminally underutilized. Yeah, the scene that we just talked about a minute ago, where he escapes from the asylum, that's the
0: last we see about of him until for a long time, pretty much the Too end. Long. Yeah, granted, Christopher Lloyd and Vincent Chiavelli are going to be showing up soon. Yes, but they don't really do a
1: lot. No, no, they don't get to do uh, enough either. But yes, again, we were talking about how there are many past adventures of Buckaroo Banzai that mm. this movie references. Part of how they built that vibe was that the writer who wrote this movie and came up with the character of Buckaroo Banzai, uh, W.D., what was his name? No, no, that oh, was... Uh... That was the director. Uh, yeah, Earl MacRouch. He came up with the character of Buckaroo Banzai, or Buckaroo... Uh, Bandy. Bandy, originally, and wrote script after script after script. And he also had short
0: stories. And short um... stories
1: and all of the stuff about the character... And he couldn't decide what he wanted the script for the movie to be. He eventually decided on what we have here. But in order to create this history for the character, they put together a movie Bible that included all of the previously written drafts of the script. All the previous short stories and all of that. Some titles of previous adventures that are referenced in this movie, even though we don't know what they're actually about, include "Find the Jet Car," said the President, a Buckaroo oh, Bonsai thriller. I did see
0: that title. I love that title
1: so much. Here's my favorite one: "The Strange Case of Mister Cigars." Oh yeah, which is about a huge robot and a box of Adolf Hitler's cigars. Mm. Uh, and they then they saved Hitler's smokes. <laughs> Another one that ends up becoming was supposed to also be the sequel of this movie, so I won't talk about it yet. And of course, the story that eventually got turned into this one, "The Lepers from Saturn." The writer of this movie, by the way, Earl McRouch, or Rouch, is also the writer of the infamous biopic of John Belushi, "Wired," based on the book by Bob Woodward, where Belushi is a ghost watching his loved ones react to his. Death while a guardian angel tells him what a piece of shit he was for being a drug addict. Oh yeah, yeah. John Belushi's family not a fan of that movie. Uh. That
0: was just a weird fact I thought we'd
1: include. Yeah, uh, sounds
0: like a candidate for the show.
1: <laughs> not a fun movie, but yeah. Bonsai goes to meet with Penny Pretty in prison. Bonsai's infatuated with her because she reminds him of someone. When she asks him who, he says the Queen of the Netherlands. And some, or just someone that he knew a long time ago. Penny Pretty tells him that she was adopted,
0: at which point he goes, of course! There's only one explanation. I guess there really is only one explanation for what we're about to find out. Mm-hmm. That Penny Pretty is the long-lost identical twin mm-hmm. of Buckaroo's late wife. Presumably you know? Peggy Pretty. Yeah. Uh, or, well, or, at least or Peggy Bonsai. Hey. It, I actually looked up the Buckaroo Wiki oh. <laughs> says her uh, maiden name was Simpson.
1: Oh, okay, okay. She So Penny was adopted into the Pretty family. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it, but we don't actually learn about Peggy until like way later in the movie. Up until now, we just have him going, of course, that's the answer. <sighs> he says, we're getting her out of here. Uh, perfect, Tommy, give her your jacket. Why? Because you're perfect uh bonsai we cut to bonsai giving a press perfect conference Perfect Tommy
0: is much put upon in this movie
1: he is perfect tommy is is if if there's if bonsai has anything close to a sidekick it's perfect tommy yeah perfect tommy is like his is the brad pitt to his frank ocean like it's sure it, he's he's always right there by his side when as we all know rawhide is the is the real muscle behind the throne yeah
0: So Buckaroo Banzai... Rawhide is the shadow empire. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, Buckaroo Banzai gives a press conference discussing how his research into other dimensions is an extension of what his parents gave their lives working on. Uh, And his parents were killed by Zan Hanoi. The leader of the the World World Crime League. World Crime League. Uh, And uh, this was originally going to be a flashback featuring Jamie Lee Curtis actually playing his mom. But it was cut by the Interfering producer who did not want there to be anything remotely hint-
0: hinting at a hinting
1: sequel. at a sequel at all. Uh, as he's discussing this, and as the uh, press conference is happening, we cut to honestly an incredibly cool
0: spaceship design. Oh yes, I love this organic ass Cronenberg yes. spaceship. Yes, and I I also enjoyed. Well, I would not enjoy the aliens later, for whatever reason, whenever they're on the ship like this, mm-hmm. it works a lot better than other contexts. I'm going to honestly disagree. Okay. Uh, I actually had the exact
1: opposite reaction. I like the aliens when they're on Earth. Okay. Uh, when they're on the spaceship, spe- spe- especially these particular aliens. The aliens, we'll just spoil it right now, are called Lectroids. There are two different kinds of electroid. There are red Lectroids, and there are black Lectroids. Mm-hmm. The black Lectroids are in the ship up in orbit right now. It's this very sort of organic ship. It looks like it was sort of like dela- stalactite or crystal or some like, sort of thing. Uh, just The interior of the ship looks like... It's all fleshy. It looks like the hell from the Coffin Joe movies, but with glow sticks in the walls <laughs> instead of body parts. Uh, and the problem I have with it is... A, I just don't think that the masks that the aliens wear are particularly interesting to look at. They're not. They're yeah. really not. They're just kind of lumpy and gray. It's not an inspired design. Not especially. They they just kind of look like someone was trying to look as close to the classic Area 51 aliens as yeah. possible, which is a take. They they feel like, self.
0: aside from the very bulbous eyes, Yes, it feels like something... That would have been like a $20 latex Halloween mask in the 90s.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that is kind of the vibe. And the other thing that kind of takes away from their coolness is you get this great shot of the ship floating through space, it's all organic. It looks almost like it's some sort of weird a meteorite or almost or something, except for lights that are blinking on it. And then you go inside, and they're all dressed in these very touristy outfits. Yeah, they have these big wicker hats and all this stuff, and they're wearing these Hawaiian shirts. And it just it's, I I get the movie is goofy. It's but. Uh, I don't know. This this felt like a, a joke that didn't quite
0: work for me. No, like most of the jokes in this film. Unfortunately, yes. Here's where I know it. I want to enjoy this so much more than I am. Why am I not enjoying this? Exactly. Exactly. Also, this came out the same year as Repo Man and feels so similar, but it's missing an energy. Mm-hmm. Like any kind of energy.
1: Yes. Repo Man, if, if, if nothing else, Repo Man has energy.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
1: and it has other stuff, but it definitely has energy. And
0: it also has a wide cast of characters all of which are given screen time and allowed to develop distinct personalities unlike the Hong Kong Cavaliers or <sighs> yeah. literally any character aside from Lizardo
1: oh my god
0: uh what's
1: sorry from Repo Man your favorite actor Harry Dean Stanton Harry Dean Stanton
0: should have been a Hong Kong Cavalier <laughs> The grumpiest Hong Kong Cavalier possible. <laughs>
1: that's just more shit I gotta do now.
0: He's just in the corner, smoke, chain-smoking.
1: <laughs> like, hey, Paris, Texas.
0: <laughs> that's it!
1: That's his name, Paris, Texas. That's, that's the one that he
0: plays, absolutely. The aliens are just these big, lumpy messes. They look too human-like. Yeah. It's like, again, sort of like the typical gray, but... They're brown and a bit more scrunched up. And a rounder face rather than an yeah. oval face. But it's just like, give me something wild. Give me yeah. something
1: give me interesting. Some, yeah. Especially since most of the movie is going to be them like disguising themselves as humans. These yeah. aliens do a lot to disguise themselves as, as human beings. Wouldn't it be cooler if what they were hiding was truly horrifying or yeah. like truly alien even uh as, as much as the they live aliens are human shaped the actual design of the alien is it's cool crazy like yeah. it's it, it doesn't look right when you're looking at it. it's interesting to look at bonsai institute again uh, that's that's the big institute that buckaroo bonsai runs they're talking <laughs> about his,
0: that is that like his trump university <laughs> Exactly. buckaroo bonsai is just like a, a statue with clay feet <laughs> buckaroo bonsai
1: uh master of the ponzi scheme <laughs> uh, what if one his lesser known accolades
0: what if that's all buckaroo bonsai was it's just like <laughs> and the hong kong cavaliers were just like they got in early so they're at like the top of the pyramid. Uh, yeah yeah they're
1: they're gold tier yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like that's like his thing with new jersey that he does with everybody's like Hey, we have an opening on the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yeah, you want to be your own boss? <laughs> but you know... You want to make
1: your own hours? space on the bus isn't free.
0: Right. The, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You got $10,000? Right, yeah. $10,000, that gets you into the
0: trunk space.
1: <laughs> $20,000 maybe will get you a, well, a seat at
0: the desk. See, there's if been 30000 you get your own room. See, there's been some shake-ups. $10,000, you can only be a Blue Blazer regular. <laughs> You know how things go in this economy. 50,000 to be a Hong Kong Cavalier. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, you got the 50,000? Oh, I have bad news. I have bad
1: (laughs) news. Oh, man. Uh, Poker King flashbacks. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Your favorite film. My
1: favorite movie. But yes, uh, so at this press conference, they're talking about how traveling to other dimensions is only possible with the use of the Oscillation Mm Overthruster, which will be our... Our uh, flux capacitor. Our flux capacitor or our MacGuffin for the remainder of our the movie. Our dingus. Our dingus. Buckaroo Banzai has to leave the press conference because of a call from a president. From from the president. From a president. Yeah. <laughs> which one? He, he literally asked, like, which one? And he said, this is the president Hey, of the Buckaroo, it's
0: Jimmy Carter. Uh, <laughs> we got some trouble down on the peanut farm. <laughs> Why don't you come out to Habitat for Humanity? Uh, pound some nails. Un- <laughs> Bring your tiny trumpet.
1: Jesus. Another uh, reference to a past adventure, Buckaroo Banzai asks if the president is still delirious. Oh, Uh, yeah. And we find out later, when we finally meet the president in this universe, that he's in traction this He's in like this
0: crazy gyroscopic gurney where he's suspended diagonally upside down. He told Buckaroo Banzai to get that
1: jet car, but he didn't get it in time, apparently. (laughs) Penny Pretty says to uh, Buckaroo as he's leaving the conference, You forgot your thruster! Why don't you hold on to it for a while? Anytime.
0: Seems unwise on Buckaroo's part. It Seems like that <laughs> really puts Penny in a lot of danger. As And it in fact does, as we learn. The call
1: from the president is getting a lot of interference. Uh, the audience knows that the aliens are listening in to the conversation, mm-hmm. although uh, the Hong Kong Cavaliers presumably don't. Banzai's trying to figure it out, and the aliens zap him with electricity through the phone that sends, as we learn way later in the movie, sends an electrochemical message into Buckaroo Banzai's brain, including a scientific formula that allows him to see through the Lectroid's disguises, which he, in a trance, writes on his own, the palm of his own hand. You have to write the formula on yourself in order for it to work. And then he suddenly not only can see them, but also knows exactly what they are, where they come from, and what's going on. None of this is communicated in the movie. We learn that this is what's happening in the scene hours later. Uh, At this point in the movie, all we see is Peter Weller fall on the ground, right on his hand obsessively, and then say, To the conference room! And then in the biggest choice Peter Weller has ever made in a movie uh they ask him what's going on and he points at Vincent Chiavelli and Dan Hedaya Two character actors who are in everything in the eighties. Yeah,
0: Vincent Ciavelli, very recognizable face. Yes, he and Christopher Lloyd, who is also in this film, mm-hmm. were in one flew of the Cuckoo's Nest together. Oh, great! Yeah, uh, so it was yeah. nice for them to have a little reunion because they were part of the little crony pack in that film. Awesome. Um, Dan Hedaya is the villain, the in... shitty boss in Joe versus the Volcano. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love. Them. Always happy to see Dan Hedaya. Love Dan Hedaya. Barely in this film.
1: Barely like Vincent Schiavelli has more stuff to do than than Dan Hedaya yeah. does,
0: and Christopher Lloyd gets the most of all three.
1: But and this this movie definitely went through all of the people, all the best people to play aliens in skies. Yes, like if if I had to pick people, Dan Hedaya, Vincent Chiavelli, <laughs> Christopher Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd all of them would be on my list, and 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 obviously, um, John Lithgow. Uh, John Lithgow. But yeah, so he points at them, and they're like, and they're like, what what's going on, Buck? Is like. And he points at them and says, Evil! Pure and simple from the eighth dimension!
0: They're electroids! Grab them! And, and I sort of like this sequence.
1: Yeah, no, this is I had started to like sort of like retreat into my own mind, as yeah. I do when I get bored, ADHD, while watching the movie. And then this was just a, a shot of electricity. Like yeah. it, this the energy that just suddenly comes out and the the camera's moving in this very sort of like weird frantic way as frantic as a, as a dolly shot can be and it was it was wild and i really liked but, uh, the...
0: but still even though i enjoyed this bit yeah shit still was not jiving for me like it, oh pieces yeah we missing but it's like again like you don't know what's going on but at least something is happening finally and again pick a fucking tact for this character if mm-hmm. if buckaroo were always this <laughs> overly theatrical mm-hmm. that'd be a great choice and right. it'd be hella fun to watch peter weller go outside his wheelhouse to sure. do that or
1: if if maybe he's not always like this but like the shock of all of this information being downloaded into his brain of how what a threat the electroids really yeah. are activated that sense of urgency in him show that to us sure. like, like communicate that to us a little bit more from this point on he's going to go back to being normal Peter Weller again. Yeah. This is like a, a random moment of, of explosive acting from him. But then Christopher Lloyd makes his entrance as they're chasing the other two electroids out of the, out of the conference hall. Uh, Christopher Lloyd comes in after them and uh, takes out uh, his gun and points it at the professor that we mentioned earlier, Professor Hikita, who is the guy who originally was working on this, is now mm-hmm. working with Bonsai. He points the gun at him and tries to kidnap the scientist and also steal the MacGuffin. The,
0: o- the Overthruster.
1: The Overthruster. Uh, Reno tries to get in the way and gets <sighs> You know what I heard about Reno? Out. What do you hear about Reno?
0: Oh, no. I heard about Baby. I heard okay. Baby's in Reno with the vitamin C. Got oh. a couple of couches, sleep on the love seat. <laughs> Some keep saying I'm insane to complain about a shotgun wedding and a maggot on my sleeve.
1: Mm-hmm. That could be dialogue in this movie. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I got really excited and I shouldn't have, but I did temporarily because Buckaroo Bonsai chases the red electroids out of the building, jumps on there's there's a, a hilarious moment where just a Harley Davidson man and a big truck is just sort of like lining up Harley Davidsons on the street for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and Buckaroo runs up, grabs the grabs a Harley and is like, "You can't do that," but he just drives off to chase after the electroids van. Yeah. And I got really excited. Oh, my God, we're going to have Buckaroo on a motorcycle, Which, chasing down this yeah. van. Immediately, we, we just sort of cut to the van getting away. Yeah. And then they turn around, and it turns out Buckaroo was behind them, and they clip his motorcycle, and he drives off the road and falls into a lake or yeah. a pond or some shit, and is apparently unconscious there until dark.
0: <laughs> I i'm not sure where this happens Mm -hmm. but at one point someone says it's buckaroo bonsai i think that's when he's stealing the motorcycle like you can't do that wait it's
1: buckaroo bonsai or something like that
0: that was constantly happening to him because he's the most famous man in the world yeah i wish just like every time he stepped outside people were like holy fuck it's buckaroo (laughs) bonsai Like it should, it should be like John Wick only more. Like yes. just like every every like except people who aren't just like murderers. Right, right. Recognize Buckaroo Bonzai. Or,
1: but wouldn't it be great if like so we just have like Harvey Keitel for some reason is is in this movie as an assassin that the Lectroids sure. hire to take out Buckaroo Bonzai, and he's just sort of like okay, i him in my. Wait, did you guys send me to kill Buckaroo Bonzai? <laughs> My kids read his comics. I'm not doing this. You, you're on your own. It's just like leaves. <laughs> that would be great. That would be fantastic. For some reason, uh, the, the editing in this sequence is very sh- shoddy. I wasn't sure what was going on. But at a certain point, the black electroids send out some sort of shuttle pod that gets sent to Earth with three black electroids inside. It's suddenly nighttime. And Bucker I still in that pond. That's why I said he was unconscious. We don't ever see him go
0: unconscious. Maybe he just needs some time. He
1: just needs some time to hang out Maybe that Maybe he pond. wanted to talk
0: to some frogs. <laughs> <laughs> just need to
1: see what they were up to. See yeah. if uh, they'd ever managed to completely say the word Budweiser. Yeah. So that's a reference. That's
0: a reference you made twice on this show. That's Have I? Really ma- yeah. Wow. That Apparently that's like a deep part of my psyche. I
1: guess. Yeah, there there two hunters who see the probe, they shoot it, then they see the then, then they start like poking it and uh, two of the black electroids pop out of the ship. One of them is immediately killed. Another one runs off. Oh, actually, the third one's still inside the ship communicating with the people up in the in the mothership. If this sounds confusing and muddled, that's because it is. Yeah. B- Banzai finally decides that he's had enough of his own quiet time in the pond. Had a good
0: soak. <laughs> had a
1: good soak in the pond water. Uh, and calls up Rawhide to get an update. Uh, Rawhide tells him, look, we got the overthruster, but somebody Shanghai the professor right from the press conference. And Banzai responds with, oh, the deuce, you say? <laughs> so... When I say that the dialogue doesn't work, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> but I feel like Clancy Brown sells his dialogue.
1: Oh yeah, no, Clancy Brown's good. Yeah, but most of his dialogue is exposition. So True, just, and again, he's, he's doing he's a really he's good job. At very delivering practical. Exposition. He's just yeah, and and uh, Clancy Brown is someone who is just as at home doing the Highlander and Superman the Animated Series as he is doing SpongeBob.
0: So yeah. like, he's the man's got range. Uh, <sighs> Too bad Clancy Brown, and John Lithgow never got scenes together. Like, oh my god! I, I
1: oh my god! I if just, there was one other actor who could have been an alien in disguise, Clancy Brown would have killed that.
0: I want to make a movie with just all my favorite actors, like John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Shannon, <laughs> Mads Mickelson, <laughs> Clancy Brown. And I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but it's probably right. not good. <laughs>
1: They're doing some sort of weird, cra- creepy shit. Yeah. So yeah, the Red Electroids show up and collect one of the Black the, the black Electroids' body, claiming that uh, with this company, Yo-Yo Dine, that they're with, yep. that uh, the Black Electroid is actually some sort of robot that they have working for them. Buckaroo Banzai finally catches up with them and uh, sneaks into the back of their truck, finding Professor Hikita uh, and... Uh, Putting the for transferring the formula that he's written on his hand onto Professor Hikita's forehead so Professor Hikita can also see the lectroids. Again, the scene should be so much more exciting, but it's there's not. definitely some very good physical comedy coming from Christopher Lloyd Yeah, where he he beats up a cop without looking at him, which was
0: yeah, no, it was one nice. of the
1: most fun like action, big air quotes, scenes in the movie. I wrote down, this movie is so hard to follow, my brain doesn't want to, it's trying to do anything else. At this point, a new element of the universe is introduced that we've talked about briefly. Perfect Tommy calls for assistance from
0: the Blue Blaze Irregulars. Which is... uh... Well, here... Okay. I think we... I I have some notes. Okay, sorry. They, it's okay. They're not specific. Sure. They're just... One, mm-hmm. I feel like Buckaroo Banzai is a dude who would get Me Too'd hard. <laughs> I don't know why I just get that vibe.
1: You will notice that none of his inner circle are women. Except for Penny Pretty, a woman that he's explicitly attracted
0: to. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just feel I, like... I, I feel that vibe. Peter Weller plays this character in a way that is very likable, and I don't want to... No, there that aren't Peter Weller, predatory
0: vibes. But I'm just... The, the character the of Buckaroo I If this person existed, I believe that they would be able to... I believe that they would have access to very frequent sex, yes. and they would not be accustomed to being told no.
1: Right, no, I, I, I can imagine them appearing uh, in the, the, the records of, of the, uh, what's his name? The Pope. The, uh, that pedof- that guy ran that pedophile on Epstein. Is I would imagine this guy showing up in Epstein's oh, records yeah. a lot.
0: Epstein rode in the jet car a few times. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. If you know what I mean. Another thing, I feel like part of the problem with this movie, and this is obviously clearly clearly subjective. Yeah. It's not lo fi enough for me. Like I would appreciate a more lo fi aesthetic. Uh, Explain lo-fi
1: to me real quick. I think like, I know what you mean, but I'm not everything
0: feels trying. too glossy. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, in... One of the things I really loved in Everything Everywhere All at Once is mm-hmm. the Alpha Universe technology looks super... Low-tech. Low-tech and, yeah. like, they're literally, garage sci-fi.
1: They're communicating with other universes from the back of a van.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, sort of like that. Yeah. Like, I think it would help with the energy, with the camp factor, with the fun... And also like let's again going
1: back to those other 1930s pulp concepts that were brought back for the, the 80s if we're looking at Star Wars what does everyone fucking talk about when it comes to Star Wars it's the concept of the used future yes it's the fact that it looks like these spaceships were built in someone's garage which they were but uh, even in universe uh, and I think I yeah I think that that absolutely could work and yeah everything, and they're probably, again, thinking about, like, 1930s. The idea of sci-fi yeah. at the time was a lot cleaner. It was a lot more of that sci-fi that would eventually became the 1950s then go for that retro punk
0: sort of thing. Then go for that retrofuturism. Oh, that uh, would have been a good idea, too. But, again, like, I still can... <sighs> have people it's... wearing these
1: super reflective jumpsuits, and they have, like, these bizarre jetpacks, and they're just flying around
0: with these bizarre uh, ray guns. But saying that, like, it... What they do in Ray this Gun film, Gothic. what they f- do in this film could still work. Mm-hmm. It's just these are suggestions to nobody. Yeah, um, of like it's not necessary to do this, but it would increase my enjoyment. I think yeah. it would ramp up the energy. It would ramp up the fun. Absolutely. There, there have been many attempts
1: at either continuing or remaking. Or just rebooting this franchise. A couple of years ago, there were very serious talks about Kevin Smith doing it. <sighs> uh, yeah, he was going to do season one based on the movie and then season two against the World Crime League. At least from what I heard in the interview with him. But that apparently never materialized. and He, oh went, no. and did, he went and did Masters of the Universe instead. But I I would be down for someone to try and do something with this. Yeah, again. absolutely. There's, there's I'll do good it. stuff you should once once we
0: finish our tron series we'll do this next (laughs) it's going to be the cast i said before clancy brown yes mads (laughs) mickelson michael shannon uh john lithgow mads mickelson is perfect tommy yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh who um, john lithgow is going to be buckaroo bonsai oh okay great i like that (laughs) i like that it's going to be like true west switching roles um Oh my God! Uh, let's have Clancy Brown play Lizardo this time. Ooh, and uh, Michael Shannon can be Rawhide.
1: You know, uh, Clancy Brown's big long hair
0: that he has these days would really work. I yeah. think for for Lizardo. So I I just want to hear that. his uh, Pac Man levels of scenery chewing <laughs> Italian accent. Oh my God! I bet so- he could do a. Hearing him do Mister Krabs, I bet he has a, a very, uh, (laughs) a a very Chef Boyardee Italian accent in his pocket. (laughs) Chef Boyardee, actual Italian man, started his first factory in Pennsylvania, I believe. Really? I might have been from Pennsylvania. I'm not sure. I have no idea. But now I really
1: want Clancy Brown to play Mario.
0: (laughs) I mean, anybody, Mario. (laughs)
1: Anybody but they they say.
0: He kidnapped the princess. <laughs> let's go.
1: Yeah, he lets he he gives sakee to the formula and lets him take the Harley while he distracts
0: the Electroids. Oh, Chef but, Boyardee update. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Actual Italian immigrant, mm-hmm. and he uh, did start his first factory. The company was founded in Milton, Pennsylvania, about forty minutes from here. Oh, wow. Yeah holy shit and you talk shit on pennsylvania all the time i do i guess you can't now
1: (laughs) well checkmate me
0: checkmate me uh i've seen you eat cold ravioli
1: (laughs) straight from the can like a tramp i mean i'm not happy about it (laughs) well i'd much rather uh, anyway warm food (laughs) is for billionaires (laughs) exactly yes warm warm food is a privilege bougie Uh,
0: as shit bougie as shit Unless it's french fries, you can eat it cold. <laughs> but yes, Perfect Tommy calls
1: for the assistance of the blues bla- Blue Blazer regulars. The Teen Brigade. The of, Teen Brigade. Uh, <laughs> the, of, uh... Exactly. So obviously a reference to, again, in the 1930s, every pulp hero, specifically the heroes on the radio, all had their own fan club of, of children that they would call on as like, oh my god, you gotta get the special decoder ring to to... to figure out what the secret message is and solve Mm -hmm. the case, as you can see parodied in Christmas Story famously. Uh, And also calling them the Irregulars is a reference to the original gang of street urchins from the Sherlock Holmes stories, the Baker Street Irregulars. And uh, one of the Irregulars, Scooter Lindley, gets on his shortwave radio and says he's on the case.
0: Yes. And uh, here we get our two black characters for this film. Actually, no. John Parker is black. That's right. Uh, But no... Full black members of the Hong Kong Cavaliers.
1: No, no, uh, no. I'm not sure, we were discussing, we're not sure exactly uh, what ethnicity
0: uh, Reno is. Yeah. For the most part, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, despite their name, I guess Hakita is part of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, would,
1: maybe? He doesn't get to walk with them at the end, though, True. now that I think about
0: it. Oh, shit. Shit. Um, so, yeah, fairly racially homogenous, the Hong Kong Cavaliers.
1: Which, again the 1930s cruise okay th- 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 it's 1984 now right yes no that's entirely correct and that's a it is a problem uh, but yes
0: uh, the red Electrodes are trying to get inside this probe ernie hudson is just knocking on the <laughs> knocking on the windows of the bus being like oh hey you need a token <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: trying to get inside this pr- this this uh, shuttle pod there's a black electroid still inside. As I said, he calls up to his associates who are in a different area of the of the ship of the the mothership than we saw
0: before, which is the coolest. Oh my god, I love this. The coolest I fucking love thing this so much. They're in these super tall, yeah. 100% impractical yeah. chairs. Oh my god, that looks so. Fucking good, and here's where we can see the fucking again. I don't know which effects he specifically did, right? But you like to thi- believe
1: that this is our man yes. from Meet the Hollowheads, John
0: Ber- or Thomas Berman, yeah? Because this looks like some Meet the Hollowhead shit. It does. It looks so fucking good. I want more of this.
1: I wrote down. It looks like if the red room from Twin Peaks were something that they found in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like it's just it's it those two aesthetics together somehow. Uh, but it's it's an incredible set, and I every time I, it showed up, I got excited. Yes. But they're they're in the in the room. They're 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 hearing from their their man on the street, and he tells them uh, that uh... <laughs> yeah, they go to Les Nessman. <laughs> now I can't go back in there again. Uh, and they 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 find out that one of their one of their number, uh, played by Carl Lumbly, was able to escape, but uh, the person who's still inside the ship. Is going to have to take one for the team, and he self-destructs the shuttle pod. But the Red Electro's don't even notice because at that point they notice Buckaroo Bonzai is there, and they chase after him on foot. Yep. Before uh, Bonzai is rescued by Scooter Lindsay, Scooter Lindsay in a helicopter. Hold on,
0: yeah. Before that happens, yes. Buckaroo Bonzai kicks one of these aliens in the nuts. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. <laughs> Because it's, it's something.
1: It's it is something. It is like, something. This the closest we get to establishing his martial arts credentials it's also in this like, movie. Is it's also like
0: nuts. the definition of a cheap shot. It's yes. like, okay, like, is there's he no, being crafty? Is yeah. this how he always fights? Is this... I have no... Right. You don't know if this guy no is... There's wide like, enough survey of his character to be like... Hmm. What is this in the larger context of the character? Right. Yes, an alien got kicked in the nuts. Yes. It's hilarious. Yes. But I need I need the deeper meaning behind this nuts kick. I yeah, what does it mean for the character <laughs> of Buckaroo Bonsai that he kicked this alien in the nuts? Is this a moment
1: where we're supposed to be like,
0: "Oh my god, he
1: kicked him in the nuts.
0: Bonsai never kicks anyone in the nuts. This is serious." <laughs> or just like He'll do the dirty fighting when he needs to, or does when he, he always to. fight dirty, or yeah. is it like, what is it? Also, these aliens have nuts, much yes. like our friend Matilda. Just much like our friend Matilda.
1: And that was that was the main thing that I thought during the scene when he kicked him in the nuts. I was just like, they have nuts in the same place that we do? <laughs> also, like they're clearly like supposed to be lizard-adjacent. Like, they, By the way, ish. these red electroids, mm-hmm. they look a lot like the aliens, that the black electroids, except they are red and sort of puffy and the reason why i kind of liked them on the planet better is mainly because the red are only show up on the planet and i like the red lectroids a little bit better than the black electroids. okay if only because the kind of red that they use is very meat looking yes and there's something in their masks are vinyl they're glistening all the time and something about that redness with the glisteningness just gave it a very sort of wet aesthetic yeah which again just sort of added to that sort of uh uh cronenbergian type of vibe that you and i were hoping for more of but yes uh bonsai is rescued by a child in a helicopter uh to be fair the helicopter is actually piloted by his father who i guess owns a his father furniture store i think george
0: goober Lindsay. that's right that's right No, it's not. It's not. Uh, It's not Goober from Andy Griffith. Or the actor who played... (laughs) George Lindsay is the actor who played Goober. Oh, I see. George, quotation marks, Goober, Lindsay.
1: Gotcha. Also, Yo-Yo Dine, I wrote... For some reason, I include this note here instead of when it first showed up. Yo-Yo Dine, this movie is such a cult favorite uh, that Yo-Yo Dine ended up making a cameo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah? Uh, Deep Space Nine, for those who don't know, is the Star Trek show that takes place on a space station rather than a ship going places. And there are various businesses in the station. And in one episode, you can see them passing by uh, an outlet in in the on the promenade for Yo-Yo Dine uh, Industries. Cool, I guess. Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems is the name, yeah. Meanwhile, back at... This is another problem with this movie. The movie moves so quickly, and never lets us sit with the impact of any given moment. Yeah. So that by the time you're like, you're wondering, you know, what does kicking this alien in the nut in the nuts mean? You've already the movie's already moved on. Yeah. So it doesn't quickly. care
0: about this iconic moment. This in iconic cinema. cinematic moment.
1: So before we even have a moment to catch our breath and be like, oh, Buckaroo Banzai saved from whatever horrible fate be- was waiting to befall him. We already have cut back to the Hong Kong uh, Cavaliers as they are doing research and trying to figure out who these electroids are and what's going on with them. At this point, uh, they do realize what I picked up on earlier because, again, I'm a huge 1930s uh, nerd culture fan. Uh, Grover's Mill, New Jersey is infamously the setting of the 1938 Halloween War of the Worlds broadcast yeah. uh, done by Orson Welles. And much like in uh, Doctor Who, turns out that broadcast was y- used to disguise the fact that aliens really did visit Earth
0: mm-hmm. on Halloween night, but that they night. they hypnotized Orson Welles yes. into saying it was all a hoax. Right. Which is... Which I believe doesn't jive with the actual story because didn't they announce in the beginning that it was a hoax uh they didn't they it was an episode periodically...
1: it was an episode of a regularly occurring radio show yeah. that they just had where they would do radio plays every week and they yeah they announced they so the opening titles of the show happened then they transferred into the radio broadcast segment as part of the show they had an ad break in the middle, and then they finished it. Yeah. And then at the end, at the very, very end, is the famous speech from Orson Welles where he says, this is just a way of putting
0: on a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Uh, they could have gotten Orson Welles for this movie. <laughs> in 84, they definitely could have. It, they
1: actually literally referenced the wine commercials in this yeah, movie. they do. Where Jeff Goldblum's like, Orson Welles, you know, the, the guy did the broadcast. And someone said, the guy from the wine commercials? Yeah. <laughs> And somewhere, Urson Welles' heart broke a little bit. I, uh, <laughs> you think he was in the theaters watching Buckaroo Banzai? <laughs> no, he just sensed it happened. Oh. They find out that the day after Halloween, on November 1st in 1938, a ton of folks, all named John, applied for social security cards in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. And I don't understand this joke. That they're all named John? I get that why they're all named John because it's a very common name. Yeah. That part of the joke I understand. The other part of the joke is that the last names for all of them are absurd. Yeah. So we've
0: already met John Big Bootay. Mhm. Uh, uh John Smallberries. There's also John, John Smallberries. John Yahya.
1: John Yaya. There's like John there's like John Record Player like it's just like they just were sort of like looking around, and whatever objects they could find, they uh, use as their names. And I don't get get it. I don't get what they're trying to do here. Is it just that it's funny to say small berries?
0: I guess, or maybe it's like the aliens knew enough, like to pick a innocuous name like John, mm-hmm. but blew it by choosing ludicrous last name. Sure, I don't know. It would. I I almost think
1: it would be a better joke if they went and they they met someone named john miller and they were like ah people are named after professions here and then all of their names were just like john tuba player and stuff like that that there at least would be some sort of
0: logic behind that i got you uh it didn't bother me that much sure that
1: was something that just kept bothering me again this movie moves so quickly while they're figuring all this out we already are seeing the red electroids from the night before breaking into bonsai's complex and followed by the surviving Black Lectroid, who also breaks in. Only the Black Lectroid is caught. That's what you call profiling. Mm-hmm. The Black Lectroid, uh, his name is John Parker. He's a Rasta man. He's a Rasta man, again, played by Carl Lumbly. Uh, and he had he brought them a briefcase with a hologram message from the leader of the Black Lectroids. But you
0: have to put on one of those uh, gel-cooling sleep masks in order <laughs> exactly. to view it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the budget once again rearing its ugly head uh, they open the briefcase but there is a
0: great little to play the thing yes they put this great little organic looking almost looks like some weird Cronenberg motorcycle that has to sp- ride around That's on it right yeah uh, like a record player needle uh, that was a great touch
1: yeah no I love I I always love it in sci-fi stuff when they the conceit of like these people are so alien that fundamental concepts that we have just they went a completely different direction yeah they never developed machinery instead they grew everything that they use mm-hmm. with bio bio stuff and and all this this creepy weird shit but yes they get a message from uh john Dahl, the leader of the black electroids who says that they are from planet 10 turns out the eighth dimension, the dimension that Buckaroo Banzai has gained access to is basically like the Phantom Zone from Superman.
0: Yep, that's where they keep the Red Electroids.
1: And that's where they keep the Red Electroids specifically, John Lithgow's character, uh, who is essentially their General Zod. Yes. He was just uh, this,
0: Lord John
1: Warfin. Lord John Warfin, who's just, just this big old crazy military leader who named himself Lord and decided to become, to to take over the the world and uh, make everyone subservient to him. And uh, he was trapped in the 8th dimension. They apparently knew that he had escaped, uh, that Warfin had escaped the 8th dimension back in the 30s, but were okay with him hanging out on Earth as long as he couldn't get back to planet 10.
0: But now, now that Buckaroo Banzai has
1: has cracked the the dimensional barrier with yep. the supercar, uh, they're scared, and they're scared that he's going to come back and be a problem again. So if Banzai doesn't stop warfin by sunset, they're going to shoot a laser at the Soviet Union in such a way to provoke a nuclear war with the U.S. and bring about the destruction of the Earth, or as they say, "Don't make us help you destroy yourselves." <laughs> A very '80s plot, if I've ever heard one.
0: Yeah, and oh, I think another thing this movie could do with is a healthy dose of satire.
1: Yes, the movie in the third act starts to seem like it's trying to go there. Yeah, but it's far too late. It is. Yeah, and yeah, we get a uh, we get finally the scene where he explains to Penny that hey, you look like Peggy, who is probably your twin sister. Again, it's very quickly brushed over because... It's not important. It's not important. Who gives a shit? And also the audience of the movie already knows this. They yeah. they remember Peggy
0: from all the many adventures she's had. What do you think Peggy died of? Is this a fun game to play? <laughs> I don't know. The, the
1: immediate thing that jumped into my head was syphilis. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Yeah,
0: Buckaroo's (laughs) out there throwing his dick into everything that moves.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) Buckaroo Bonsai 8 is just his face rotting (laughs) from untreated venereal diseases. (laughs) That for whatever reason, even though he's a doctor, he just won't get checked or treated. Yeah, it's just like, no, no, I want people to see me this way. The Hong- I want Kong them Caval- to know. He just becomes this uh, cancerous mask of, uh, mask of, like, pus and discharge. And, like, oh, Jesus. The Hong Kong Cavaliers have to, like, Lenny from Mice and Menem. Oh, my God. Oh. He's wow. like Muck. <laughs> He's like the Pokemon <laughs> Muck. So just all discharge he, he just
1: becomes the i the the ending of i have no mouth and i must
0: scream yes. yeah uh <laughs> what a weird place for the series to go <laughs> see i just blew my chance to helm the revival because now yeah. they know my now, now they know now my blueprint
1: they, yeah now that they've heard this they're gonna know oh oh shit can't let Brad do it. He's got some wacky ideas. They they finally discover that the Red Electroids have infiltrated their base and uh, they go and they get their guns and they go hunting. Uh, Reno and New Jersey sneak around and uh, New Jersey sees a watermelon
0: yeah. in their base. And he says, uh, why is there a watermelon there? And Reno says, I'll tell you later. And this was apparently a scene they put in to see if the troublesome producer was paying any attention at all. And apparently he wasn't because it's in the movie. <laughs> but at the same time, does it feel that out of place? No, it feels honest. And again, that
1: video that I watched from Kyle Calgren, he thinks of this scene, and I guess a lot of fans do, as being the pivotal scene in the entire film because it's once again it, it's that sort of like that thing of like you walk past in Asgard in the earlier Marvel films, you walk past the infinity gauntlet in the background mm-hmm. and people are just sort of like, and and if you're in the know, if you're a comic book fan, you're going to see that and be like, Oh shit. Yeah. But if you're not in the know, you're not going to know. And exactly. there's, there's nothing to know here because there are no other buckaroo bonsai movies. Yeah. But... but in the universe of this film, in the meta narrative, there are a whole bunch of buckaroo bonsai heads out there who are just like, Oh my God, it's the watermelon. Oh my it's God. It's the fucking watermelon. Uh, and yeah, that's again, as we said, it's interesting. Yeah. It's not, uh, I don't it know. It, it, doesn't just, it, doesn't, doesn't it doesn't play. It doesn't play it doesn't play to us because we're we're not in the meta narrative. We're 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 out here.
0: We want to enjoy this film. Yeah, not the scores of things that don't exist. Exactly, exactly. So the red Electroids
1: managed to grab the little brain that they got off the car. Yeah, we don't see them grab it. We just see John Big Booty walking around with it in his hand. So I guess they got it off camera, <sighs> Professor Hikita gets the manages to get the thinks he's about to be captured so he gets the overthruster to penny but at the last second they let him go and capture penny instead. Oh. So, oh well. So now they have Penny and the overthruster. It's a real red letter day for them. Yes. And they steal the and they to add insult to injury, they steal that kid's helicopter and take off with it. That's how you know they're bad guys because they steal helicopters from children from a black child from a black child
0: <laughs> from a poor black child from Steve Martin from Steve Martin <laughs> uh, and all Steve Martin can do is just watch forlornly and pluck his banjo <laughs> arrow through his head as he always is
1: <laughs> as he always is in my heart
0: anyway yeah no I'm yeah. sure he walks around the house like that Yeah. I'm sure he has <laughs> let that gag go <laughs>
1: <laughs> My biggest complaint about uh, only murders in the building, which you have not seen, which I have a not bit seen, you're doing this is a bit that I'm doing. Not enough arrow through the head gags. Oh no, absolutely yeah, no. not. Enough. I
0: feel like whenever he was off screen, like yeah. just lounging in his trailer, he had it on, but he's like, <laughs> no, this isn't right for the character. It's like Milo Bloom and the producers with his little blanket. He's just like whenever
1: he just like he gets offset, he's like so stressed until he just puts it on his head, he's like. <sighs> Oh, finally. I feel myself again. John Parker is finally introduced to the rest of the gang. Uh, he meets up with the heroes in time. Uh, in Just in time to tell them that it looks like Rawhide has been wounded. Oh, no. By a throwing star spider monster thing.
0: I love this little alien tick thing. It's so cool.
1: Apparently, they are coughed up by the red Lectroids. They're not oh, even okay. thrown. They cough them up and 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 shoot them out of their mouths. And they there's no cure for the poison that they admit it gets stabbed into a rawhide's neck and rawhide is is not long for this world.
0: We don't cut him out ride him in yes cut him out rawhide mm-hmm
1: we don't get an actual death scene for Rawhi. Which
0: confused the fuck out of me. I was like, is Rawhide dead? We is just, he
1: still... I presume he's dead because they say that there's no cure for him. And but we, he shows
0: up during the end credits. He
1: does show up during the end credits, but so does uh, John Walker? I keep forgetting his Parker. name. Parker. Parker. So is John Parker, and
0: John Parker is off-world uh, at the end. He might have stuck around uh, to guess. be part of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Finally, oh, they man. finally got their their uh, their their token, black member, their token black member. Uh, and he's a Rasta man, so uh, that's extra '80s points. And he's
1: an alien, so they have a literal magic black man now. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, he doesn't actually get a death scene, but he does get to be cool one last time as they're all like m- uh, so distraught that Rawhi yeah. is dying, and he's like, "Hey." still on the clock here as he's dying is like oh man
0: Rawhide also has another alter ego that was not seen in this film yeah rough sex <laughs> very very uh, respectful always about consent right but just like just really into rough just sex just really into rough sex yeah like, sometimes he's giving you a back rub mm-hmm. and his hands start to creep around your throat <laughs> You just got to be like, hey, rough sex. Hey, rough sex. Hey, rough He's sex. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm Wait, sorry. who am I in the room with right now? Is it Rawhide? Is it Cawhide? Or is it Rough Sex? <laughs> oh, man.
1: Oh, man. I wish Rough
0: Sex had made it into another the movie. One of my Another one of my favorite uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers that we did yeah. not see in this movie yeah. Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> and it's weird. He actually. The only the, one who ever got a spinoff. Yes. Yeah. He actually originated the hong kong cavaliers which is why they're called that that makes sense uh but buckaroo bonsai sort of like led this coup (laughs) hong kong Fui is buckaroo bonsai's mentor oh my god this uh karate janitor dog voiced by scatman crothers (laughs) was the most influential man in buckaroo bonsai's life oh my god and He betrayed him. He betrayed his sensei. I can see there being a... a, And it would be absolutely
1: in keeping with the universe of this movie to have a flashback to Buckaroo Banzai learning martial arts from Scatman
0: Carruthers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We get a brief cutaway to the president, who, as we mentioned, is in this weird gyroscopic traction machine. Uh, Another reference to this previous adventure the president was involved in in the past. Banzai calls up the president using 1980s Skype uh, which is just like a little TV tube situation. Yeah. Uh, and calling him up and letting him know uh, about the black electroids and the red electroids, that the aliens exude bacteria that infest the brains of people and makes them see them as one of their own. I'm going to be
0: 100% honest. Go for it. Any scene with the president, I tuned out. They're the worst. Like, I just could not. At one point, someone's going to say, I can barely hold on to my fudge, Yes, talking about their shit. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a bit. Because that's, yeah. But yeah, I just checked the fuck out during these scenes. And I watched this in pieces, so I wasn't, like, fatigued with it. Right. I was just like, I don't care. No. I don't fucking
1: care. This, you may have guessed just from, like, the way that we talk about how hard this movie is to follow and the way that our... Just the way I'm describing the plots becoming vaguer and vaguer as things time
0: goes and on, and we're towards the end of the movie, we're and it's just the like, movie, this... hey, you know what? We need more characters.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's there's so there are some action bits at the end here, but most of this most of this movie is just dialogue, and it's yeah. so fucking boring. Um, the also just a quick question: If the aliens exude bacteria that infest people's brains, and uh, Sorry, John. What? Parker. Parker. John Parker. It will not stay in my brain. And John Parker. Do you want me to punch you in the head? <laughs> no, I'm good. Are you sure? I'm good. I think we won't know if it works until I try. That's true. I'm willing to risk it not working. I'll be fine.
0: Uh, John Parker. I, it's good thing you didn't know Galileo. <laughs> that's all
1: I'm going to say. I I think that's true. But John John Parker is. Talking through 80s Skype with the president, how is the president seeing him as a human? How is the bacteria? Does the bacteria travel through TV signals? What the fuck? Anyway, uh, I did enjoy the one bit that I did enjoy is that uh, after they sign off talking, filling the president in on the plot so far, John Parker. Gives the president you remembered. a little. A little. Thank you, John Parker. Gives a little hang ten sign. That's what
0: Rasta people do.
1: <laughs> I took it as because he's from Planet Ten.
0: Oh, so hang ten. So hang
1: ten is like a solemn greeting in their universe. It's like okay. it's like the the Vulcans with the uh, the Vulcan salute. Yeah, it's hang ten for Planet Ten. I thought that was cute. They are contacted. They're quickly contacted by John Lithgow. Yes, he's back. Finally, he's finally back in the movie. God damn it! Curse of you,
0: bonsai! Curse of you, bonsai!
1: Who tells them that he's still missing a circuit from the overthruster? Well, he's still missing the overthruster. Somehow, even though he captured Penny, and she had the overthruster, he doesn't have the overthruster. This is a plot point that they draw a lot of attention to and is never followed up on. Because at the end of the movie, they just have the overthruster back, and we don't know what's whatever yeah. happened to it in the meantime. Anyway. He says he's still missing the overthruster, and they're about to torture Penny with honey and red ants, thinking that she's a scientist for some reason. No, calling her Doctor Penny Pretty. Uh, but uh, when Bonsai says that uh, says that she is is not a scientist, they say, "Well, then she's our leverage, and we you have to give yourself up and the the overthruster, and then and then we'll let her go." Uh, and this is the scene we cut back to the president. There's a little bit in there that is trying for some political satire. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but trying to. Everyone is so like uh, yeah, subdued. Just, and, it, it, and this it's is like where water gets... off a
0: duck's back. Like it just did yeah. not stick with me at all. There's a scene. The gen.
1: The, the moment you were talking about before the general. There's a general. There's like I gotta admit it. I'm scared. I'm barely holding my fudge right now, and I just was like, is this a, was this whole movie supposed to be some sort of satire, some sort of campy comedy, and I just never got that? I don't know. I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. Oh, there, there is one funny political joke here, but again, you wouldn't notice it if... I, w- I wouldn't have noticed if I didn't take notes. The president is considering preemptively declaring war on Russia, and so he pulls out declaration of war in parentheses short form. Short form which is funny. That was pretty funny. Uh, Banzai arrives in the supercar and turns himself into the bad guys. They strap him to a lie detector, which they call a shock tower, and try and force him to solve the equations that they need to build their own overthruster. He tells them that... They aren't getting jack from him until they free Penny, so they start electroshocking him in the dick.
0: <laughs> I didn't notice it was in the dick. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, even though I watched this in pieces, I just
1: yeah, no, sort I understand. Of did not give a shit at there this were, point. There were times I had to rewind the movie because I forgot to take notes. Yeah. Because like just not because just... you were
0: engrossed, just because it's just just because i was thinking it about wasn't sticking things. to your brain yeah. yeah
1: i was i was just thinking about anything else this uh this scene was apparently very difficult to film for peter weller in particular because he was
0: struck by lightning as a baby so he, he couldn't this was traumatic for him
1: uh thankfully not quite that dark no you, the problem <laughs> so dark lightning
0: <laughs> striking a baby <laughs> someone call Juan car Wai. <laughs> I don't know if he makes dark films. I've never seen a Walkar car wife But no, uh, Peter
1: Weller couldn't stop laughing oh. because he was in a
0: scene with Lithgow and Lloyd. Yeah. And
1: Lithgo and Lloyd would improvise off of each other as these oh, characters. Oh, I bet they had so much fun. And apparently, he, he said, "I ne-, this is a quote from Weller, I'd never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> and he just took so many takes to get through this scene because he just could not
0: hold it together. Uh, Regular Judd Apatow film.
1: Meanwhile, the tour bus of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. They've
0: rounded up everybody. They're going to storm the castle. Storming the castle. I want to point out that Yo-Yo Dine slogan is Mm -hmm. apparently the future begins tomorrow. (laughs) Isn't that great? Isn't that so fucking
1: clever? I did not pick up on that, but that is wonderful.
0: You see a billboard, and I managed to catch it, and I was like, I love that. I I I would wear a shirt that says that. Absolutely, in a heartbeat. That's great. Um, and now we get the big dud of an action finale, unfortunately. The tour bus
1: makes it to the compound. The Hong Kong Cavaliers have these special suits with breathing. They're breathing in this gas that apparently has the formula in it, so they can see the electrodes now. They enter into the area where the electroids sleep, and are immediately discovered, and a big, again, A-Team-style
0: gunfight breaks out, where yeah, barely it's... a person ever gets hit with a bullet. Eh, some of the electroids get killed. It's perfect Tommy. Tommy marks someone with his cool shotgun. That's cool. Yeah. That's perfect. But yeah, most of it doesn't do... I. It just It wasn't exciting. It wasn't... It didn't feel yeah. earned in Agreed. any way.
1: Lithgow gives the order for Penny to be killed. Penny's been strapped up to this weird
0: torture device. There's also a, a running joke that we've alluded to. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd's character is named John Big Boutte. Yes, everyone calls him John Big Booty. Mm-hmm.
1: And he gets offended by this, yes. which I don't understand because it's a fake name. Unless it isn't a fake name, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. don't get um, how the electroids
0: work. But at the same time, as much as I the joke never made me laugh, yeah. it is fun to do that bit with each other, which oh, is yeah. weird. Like it's
1: <laughs> This movie is so much more fun to talk about than oh, it yeah. is to watch. Yes. Uh like there's so many things in this movie that are quotable, like it's like the
0: deuce you say.
1: <laughs> and like and of course Lithgo. We skipped over it, but Lithgow before uh uh Banzai shows up has this whole like uh Hitler uh, on in the triumph yeah. of the will moment where he gets to be up there with his big microphone being like you are all subservient to me and doing all this 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 weird over the top performance crazy
0: italian accent his crazy italian
1: accent chewing scenery harder than i've ever seen someone chew yes. scenery
0: like god damn it it's amazing that and there's just any watching left. his face like oh my god the man like i said he's up to 11 yes but he has this one goes to 11 the structure like he has the support system to carry that performance it's not that he's going big it's that he's built something that supports the largeness he he, that's that's a very good distinction it's not like
1: a good actor but still this is a very bad performance jeremy irons in the dungeons and dragons movie where he's just doing anything he wants he's the he Somehow, when John Lithgow goes over the top, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You believe that this insane character exists.
0: Yeah. It's so damn good. Like I said, Google John Lithgow buckaroo bonsai scenes.
1: Yeah, and you'll also get a lot of Christopher Lloyd scenes that way, and Christopher Lloyd is another high point of this movie for me.
0: Christopher Lloyd got my only other laugh-out-loud moment in this film, Yes, where... It's coming up, I think. I don't think we're there, but um, yeah,
1: we'll, we'll get to it.
0: Uh, but yeah, the big fight breaks out.
1: Uh, big boot. Oh, I think actually this, this is the very next note I have. Uh, big Bootay and and uh, warfin start warfin to argue about uh, how arguing they should do all the time. Warfin
0: gives him just just is he pulls put, rank. He's like, this rank. is what we're doing. And Christopher Lloyd behind his back gives him the bird. And I don't know what it is about this. It's just it's just someone in a dumb costume giving someone the finger yes made me laugh it's out loud
1: the funniest thing in the movie and i believe i couldn't find the source again but i believe that i heard somewhere that this was improvised i believe it that this was christopher lloyd just being like yeah that's what my character would do <laughs> would fucking do in this in this moment
0: i believe it it's not the craziest thing to imagine no. being improvised yeah. but it's still the only other laugh out loud moment for me it just felt so good and i believe um, that this
1: movie by the way is the reason why Christopher Lloyd got... Back to the Future. Back to the Future. I've heard that. Originally, John Lithgow was the person that they wanted to play Doc Brown. Really? I could see that very easily. For some reason, that fell through, and they were like, oh, man, but he was so good in Buckaroo Banzai, I guess we'll get that guy just turning Uh, slightly to the left. (laughs) (laughs) Just turned slightly to the left the next day next day, up.
0: Now I'm imagining... The alternate universe is where the finger moved the other way and it was either Dan Hedaya as Doc Brown <laughs> or Vincent, or Chiavelli. Vincent <laughs> Chiavelli. Just sad sack looking. <laughs> the human bass... The human basset hound, Vincent Chiavelli. <laughs> When One point this... twenty-one gigawatts of power.
1: When this thing gets up to eighty-eight miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> and Dan Hiday would be like, "What? You're from the future?" Oh, <laughs> well, I suppose. I suppose Jane Wyman is, is is the is the first lady. Oh man, I I want to see. I love the universe I live in. I love Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown. I want to at least really yeah.
0: see those versions. Again, this is what we would use the multiverse technology exactly. for, is just to watch these just other see movies. alternate versions of things. You could have a Peter Weller Doc Brown. That would be oh <laughs> off-putting. That would be very... Him oh and Marty would you have... Back to the future. I would be very uncomfortable about him and Marty's relationship. <laughs>
1: like <laughs> I feel like even more uncomfortable than the relationship already yeah, is. Yeah, because
0: Christopher Lloyd's goofy and harmless, Peter yeah, Weller yeah. has this intensity to intensity him. Intensity where yeah. it's like is Marty going to get sold to some Middle Eastern folks? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you yeah, but you would buy the he that he He has dealings with He has with, uh, dealings what, what with international it? terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a quick scene again talking about very briefly the the sort of gross vibe that the aliens have. Penny's strapped up to this death trap where they have like this evil, insanely
0: gross slug monster. It's so cool, and it's, it's so cool. And cool and it's for nothing.
1: Barely on screen. And
0: uh, Peter Weller comes in, and Jeff Goldblum's with him. and He's like, "Oh, don't touch that!" And of course, Peter Weller just grabs it, and throws it away. Exactly. There's there's there's, there's
1: a brief scene of Vincent Chirilli getting a, the most characterization Vincent Cirelli gets throughout the entire film uh uh John Big Boutte tells him we gotta go and he says but Warfin said we could kill her <laughs> <laughs> and he says damn Warfin, get out of there and they they leave and uh, they just leave the slug thing and almost instantly Peter Weller comes in knocks it away they get her out of there Peter Weller and or sorry Buckaroo Banzai and John Parker get into a little uh escape pod, I guess, or a little fighter jet that's attached to the side of the ship that the aliens have been building. Yeah,
0: something. It's
1: not fully explained. They take off. They try and go into another dimension. It doesn't work uh, because... They're they using the, the old, old technology yes. from 1938
0: that failed the first
1: time. Warfen gets tired of of John Big Butte and just kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the end of that character, I guess. We get a uh, Bonsai quickly figures out how to fly the ship. The, Thank the God ship. they
0: have uh, jumper cables, like a, a regular human car. I guess so. And here's another thing where it was like, okay, Buckaroo Bonsai seems to survive mostly on luck. Yes. That's an aspect you could do with the character. Sure. Again, fucking find something. Anything. Something to anchor the character to. Somebody, anybody, anybody,
1: please. So they then they use the ship, which apparently this little shuttle thing is, is equipped with massive weaponry, and they shoot down the Red Electroid ship
0: out of the sky. And this happens very quickly. I looked down, mm-hmm. I looked up, and John Lithgow was dead.
1: Yes, and uh, we don't get like, there should have been like you know that uh, the scene with the the Nazi in the tank going off the cliff. Yeah. In uh, Indiana Jones three, there should have been that moment where we should have had Ahh! something. <laughs> just scared my cat, and just like explosion, but no, and we we don't even see him. We just see. Buckaroo Bonsai's not even looking. Give me shoot. one last...
0: I curse of you, Bonsai! Curse of
1: you, Bonsai!
0: I'll get you back somehow! Uh, what if all of Buckaroo Bonsai's villains were Italian? <laughs> like, it was just this weird racist thing that uh, W.D. Richter and Rao Cad Just just really had a problem with, like, with Italians. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Buckaroo Bonsai
1: versus the Vatican. <laughs> Dan Brown's Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> uh, uh And I. this is where I took a note. Even
0: the Angels sc- and Lectroids.
1: Even though this movie is about a rock star adventurer, they decided against having a rock score,
0: and instead the entire movie is a scored with a well, is synthesizer. specify that he's a rock star? Because when that concert wasn't very rocky.
1: True, but they had multiple electric guitars on stage. True, and but that electric was sort guitars can be used for vibe. other things. That's true, that's true. I, I'm not a fan of the score. I'm Most, not either. In adventure movies, at least I want to be humming the score by the end of the movie. And again, also, like... I just rewatched Pacific Rim. I was singing that score to myself for hours afterwards. And
0: again, the soundtrack is so sedate. It's like It's so not even, sedate. like, upbeat, yeah. like, electronic music. It's not, like, again, I need some energy, some yeah. fun from somewhere. Like, you... For for great synthesizer scores, you know, you go John Carpenter,
1: you go uh, fucking The Terminator. The Terminator has a fantastic sci-fi score with just like a bunch of synthesizers. You can do it, but they just they just didn't in this fi- in this film. Uh, it there's a there's a brief uh, fake out that goes nowhere where it seems like Penny might be dead, and uh, Buck forces a kiss on her
0: unconscious corpus. Yes, and uh, brings her back to life. There's some electricity. Yes, uh, the aliens give them some extra electricity brings her back then we get probably the best part of the film. Oh wait,
1: and then then we get a brief cutaway to the aliens in their cockpit again where one of the aliens says, "So what? Big deal." Yeah, which is a weird note to end your movie on, I guess, but and then we get yeah. Again, I saw this movie before. I didn't remember jack shit about what except. happened in this movie except
0: John Lithgow electrocuting himself. And this scene... And I'm going to go out on a limb here. Okay. I'm going to say the big reason you remember this scene mm-hmm. is because it was mimicked in the Life Aquatic with their end credits. I didn't
1: remember it being uh, replicated in the Life Aquatic. I Really, you don't remem- remember that part I didn't. I, I did not remember it, and I've seen Life Aquatic, and I read that in the Wikipedia article that, that they replicated the scene. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. But I I remember this scene from Bucker... Buck. It's the one it's- thing that I remember... And again, Uh, here's sort of like... In this scene, uh, just to describe it really quick before we talk about it, we get a brief title card that says... uh, Oh
0: yes, Uh, Buckaroo Banzai will return.
1: Buckaroo Banzai will return in uh, Buckaroo Banzai takes on the World Crime League. Buckaroo Banzai
0: against the World Crime League. Buckaroo
1: Banzai against the World Crime League. One of the most famous Never Realized sequels. Yes. And then uh, after that we cut to a... Weird music video slash curtain call segment. Buckaroo Banzai and the Kung Fu Cavaliers all Hong walk... Kong
0: Cavaliers. I'm sorry, what did I say? Kung Fu Cavaliers. Weird.
1: Okay, the Hong Kong Cavaliers all
0: walk in time to music. The yeah. best song in the movie. Best song in the movie. Still didn't love it. I I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the song used in Life Aquatic much more. Did they use a different song in Life Aquatic? Yes. I believe okay. it was uh the you know how they did all Portuguese covers of Bowie songs. Yes. It was the I believe it was a cover of Queen Bitch.
1: Ah, oh, good.
0: But yes, they're they're walking and they they're just in this
1: very famous location that a lot of people have used in their movies. It was used as the 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 place where they have their big uh, car race in Greece. Yeah. It's just this... What What is it? It's, it's just,
0: just this little... Uh, Sepulveda. Like a, um, a
1: reservoir or something in
0: L.A. It might be film the it. L.A. River. Hold on. Yeah, I
1: think it's the L.A. River. But the point is that they're all walking in time together one way, and then they get to a wall, they all heel turn, and they walk across... And uh, they walk past a graffitied tag that says Buckaroo Bonsai.
0: Yeah, the L.A. Riverbed. The from L.A. Riverbed. the River Sepulveda bed. Dam.
1: That's right, from the Sepulveda Dam. It's been a lot of movies. You'll recognize it immediately. This was added because the produce, that same producer said that the movie needed to end with a kiss, so they added the penny kiss. And it needed something more. But he wouldn't tell them what. So yeah. they just added the scene. And it was great. And it's the best part of the movie. I can't explain to you why. It's just so... Everything, again, it's like everything this, that we've described as happening before in this movie sounds so entertaining. And this, this is just sounds people walking like bullshit. And yet this is the part of the movie I will carry. To because
0: me. everyone has this energy that's yeah. not present in the film. And it, it's it really it's, has this sort of feeling where it feels like we've had a great adventure, haven't we? And it, it does. It's so Even infectious. though I did enjoy it, like I still went like, oh yeah, there's perfect Tommy. There's there's yeah. Reno. There's oh, Raide. Right!
1: Right, here. Yeah. No. There's there's definitely. It, it almost fools you into thinking you enjoyed the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, oh, is there anything else you want to say about Bakaru Bonzai? Bakaru Banzai. Uh, Baccaro Bonsai. If you you disagreed with us and you did
1: like this movie, the second movie was never made, but it was published as a book. Oh, yeah? Uh, Yes. uh, Oh, they Quentin tarantino did. (laughs) it. They Quentin tarantino did. it. There are also a series of Buckaroo Bonsai one-shot comics and miniseries that the Hmm. original writer of this film also wrote, so these are the official continuations. Buckaroo Bonsai, Return of the Screw, Supersize Those Fries, A Christmas Corral, and Of Hunan Bondage. Uh, and lastly, I just wanted to read a review that I found online that I, a brief line from a review I found online and really vibed with. Yeah. Uh, Richter seems to have invented an elaborate mythology for his hero, but he never bothers to explicate it. The film gives you the mildly annoying sensation of being left out of a not very good private joke. Yeah. And that's, uh, reviewer David Kerr. So, yeah, I guess that's my final take on Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, Anything else from you, Brad?
0: No. uh, Mm -hmm. No, I'm glad I revisited this movie. I agree. To confirm that I still do not like it. Right. Yes. Um, But at least we we gave it a fair shake. We gave it a fair shake. And Mm -hmm. you know what? There was... I appreciated some things about it that I had forgotten about. Um, And, again, just John Lithgow is fucking amazing. We got amazing. Clancy Brown there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will never say no to more John Lithgow
1: or uh, Clancy Brown, no. or even Peter Weller, in my or even life. Christopher Lloyd, or even Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, absolutely. Or even Dan Hedaya, or Dan Hedaya, or Vincent Shirelli. I would. I will take Shia I'll, I'll take more of all of them all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know what I think we're going to do next? What are we going to do next? Just because I know we've both been having a hard mental health time. Mm-hmm. Let's do Paddington too. I vibe with that. I vibe with that hard. Especially because we have something planned for episode 50, mm-hmm. which is going to be a lot for you.
1: Yeah, so Paddington 2 is going to be a nice sort of
0: like, yeah, uh, let's gonna... take a
1: breath before jumping off the cliff kind And of then
0: moment. you'll have episode 49, so you can decide yeah. what's going to take us into 50. Mm-hmm. But for my choice, yeah, let's do Paddington 2. Let's have a little a tender fun. I am so absolutely stoked for that. Let's do that. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And remember, wherever you go, there you are. There you are. Good night.